Welcome to the Sneaky Dragon Listening Party with my dad and my sister Mary. Hello, partygoers. Merry Christmas. And my name is David Dedrick. And my name is Mary Dedrick. And welcome to, uh, I said Merry Christmas, so welcome to this Christmas episode of well, Sneaky Dragon. isn't it technically a New Year's episode? <laughs> it's technically a New Year's episode, but it's part of the Christmas season. That's the holiday season, yes. I guess. Uh, it was just unavoidable. Because we ended up doing a double episode at Halloween accidentally, we ended up pushing our the schedule I had sort of planned out in my mind. Mm-hmm. I had two weeks. Right. And instead of having our Christmas episode before Christmas, we're having it after Christmas. That's okay. Oh, well. Such Cr- is life. Christmas, or the the that two-week period is the whole holiday season, right? Mm-hmm. You got your Christmas days, and you got your New Year's days, and it's all, you know. It all blends into one thing. Mm-hmm. Broken up by uh, desultory uh, work. Yes. At your job. Yeah. They don't really feel like being at. No. I have two I have two days at work this week this week coming up. Yeah. Working on Tuesday and I'm working on Wednesday. Okay. Not, not excited about it. Not excited. No, I, I think I have three days of work. We have inventory to do at work. Mm, yeah. And I requested um, the Thursday off. Okay. Because it was it's our anniversary. Ah. But we can't do anything. Because? Because Duncan has COVID. <laughs> That's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. Yeah. But on the on the plus side, yeah, I am vaccinated against COVID. Okay, but I still can't see them because you don't want to accidentally transmit it. Yeah, well, with the old people that I work with, yeah, I don't want to bring it in. No, no, you know, don't want to be that person. No, definitely not. Definitely not, indeed. Mm-hmm. So, Mary, um, did you have a good Christmas? I did. It was Other really than the good. fact that your boy, your boyfriend is is locked in his yeah. room for yeah and unavailable. Yes. Other than that. Other than that. Other than that, it was good. It was very sad. Because of that. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, you know, other on, like, there was all the COVID sadness on top of that. And then that, um, found, I found out on, on Christmas Eve. Yeah. That he wouldn't be able to be with us for Christmas because of that. Yeah. So that was unfortunate. Mm -hmm. But it was, I mean, it was still a good Christmas. Good. You know? Good. Yeah. It was kind of a weird Christmas. Well, partly because, you know, I go to church. So my Christmas season is framed around, like, Advent. Yeah. And the sort of build up towards Christmas, mm-hmm. all the, the the Advent one, two, three, and four, whatever, and yep. then then you go into Christmas, and then then we have our kind of post Christmas, uh, you know, the epiph- Epiphany and yep. things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is all out the window. We didn't have didn't have Christmas Eve services this year, which I always love to Christmas Eve services because I yep. sing in choir, so I have to go to both services. Yeah, all, previously all three services when we used to have three services. That's right. I used to be at all three services. Yeah, and so would we. <laughs> That's true. And uh, now I just now you guys like to come to the I guess the the vigil the vigil yeah the Easter, the or the Christmas service the candlelit service which is always mm-hmm. very beautiful and then uh, yeah so that's kind of kind of missed that on Christmas Eve is sort of how yeah the framework of Christmas mm-hmm. you know which is what what I like about things like Christmas you know customs is that they do attach you to to the 
that sort of atavistic sense of ancest your ancestors and yeah. this sort of traditions that stretch back into the mm-hmm. past and things like that. I mean, even if, like, I don't think, like, your parents did not go to church when you were growing up. No, they did not. But, like, so not necessarily, like, your immediate ancestors, but just, like, human That's right. ancestry, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it just ties you to a particular culture, you know, which, which would be, for me, like, European, Northern European culture and... and uh, Specifically, like, British? Pretty, particularly British. I think, with yeah. With Anglican? Yep, yeah, with Anglican. And I think in Canada, too, are, we have sort of Scottish, British... Uh, heritage that kind of is the sort of I don't know how to I don't know what to call it a backbone the spine of of Canadian culture that other everything else kind of hangs from right well I mean the, the majority of our population are British and Scottish immigrants mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so they kind of that kind of sets the tone for everything else that goes mm-hmm. goes on and it is changing obviously that's not 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 as uh, dominant as it once was no but it's still pretty dominant and Christmas as a secular shopping holiday is is a huge huge you know unstoppable be- behemoth yes that, you know is, and i i like that part of it too you know so i like i like the churchy elements of yep. it but i also like the the secular the, i like the shopping elements right. of it so i like the commercial elements yeah i like the, all that the stuff. santa claus from coca-cola santa the, claus from coca-cola i love yeah. love that drawing mm-hmm. or painting and i love i love christmas lights and yep. i like having a tree put up mm-hmm. having all the Gugas and and yep. kitchen ornaments hanging from the tree and yep. sitting around the house and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I love all that part of it. I and as a kid growing up, as a even as a teenager when I should have been like a sourpuss, I loved Christmas and I would always during the build of the Christmas I would listen to Christmas my dad's Christmas records right and I would decorate the tree. Mm-hmm. Mostly what that involved was putting the icicles on the tree, which we right. don't do because uh, your mom does not like icicles. But uh, when I grew up, we always had icicles, which are these the these tinsel i call them icicles they're just tinsel hanging from the tree oh okay and so yeah you just like we just spend time draping all this all these icicles from the right. tree in a very pleasing way while listening to christmas records. that's very nice and so when i grew up i was very much in the enthrall of a particular style of christmas music which was the 1960s christmas album which is when christmas albums became a thing up to that point artists would maybe record a single with a couple of songs that were Christmassy, maybe holiday related or Christmas related, mm-hmm. maybe actually religious songs, but sometimes just you know, like what I what I like to think of as shopping songs, you know, right. like you know, um, songs like uh, is it like silver and gold. Is that a song I'm thinking of? No, silver. silver and- well, silver bells is one, like you know, yeah. city sidewalks. But you know, it's yep. more about this this more about the Christmas season than it is about right or any um, kind of religious element. So. The Christmas song, the Christmas song would be another one. Yeah, songs mm-hmm. that sort of sort of recount also known the, as chestnuts roasting on, on an open fire. Sure, songs that recount the kind of sentimental and nostalgic aspects of Christmas. Yeah. And I like, and so that's a big part of it too. But in the '60s, it suddenly became very popular for artists of all all kinds to release Christmas albums, right? Not just you know like a couple of songs. Mm-hmm. So you had Motown, you know, their bigger Motown artists where the Supremes, the Four Tops had their Christmas albums. You had Christmas albums from popular singers of the day, Andy Williams, Nat King Cole, um Jack Jones, Perry Como, all those mm-hmm. people all all put out Christmas albums. It's, I guess you could say this sort of in the late 50s as well. Bing Crosby for sure, Frank Sinatra, mm-hmm. there's a Frank Sinatra family one. There's and then there's kind of rock ones as well that that came came about. And so and even though the novelty Christmas single still kind of carried on, uh, there was this also the Christmas albums. So it depends on your culture too. Like great in Great Britain, I think it tended to be less Christmas albums, more the Christmas single was the popular thing. So you had your, you know, uh, Greg Lake's Father Christmas or or Roy Wood and Wizards, 
um, I Wish It Were Christmas Every Day. Mm-hmm. Songs like that, they were like kind of seasonal uh, singles that would come out. Slade, whatever their song is called. <laughs> I have no idea. Slade? Let's stomp our boots for Christmas. Something so- like that. But Christmas is spelled with all the wrong letters. Right, sure. So it's like K-Y-R-Y-Z-M-M-A-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z. Christmas. Sure. It works. Just like in Have Yourself... Wait. Molly Jolly Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Where Burl Ives can't say Christmas. He says Christmas. <laughs> I think he's trying to... I don't know what he's doing there. It's weird. Have a holly jolly Christmas. He's just kind of downplaying it in the song. I don't know why. Christmas. It's weird. Says it like that. Listen to it. Have a holly jolly Christmas. Christmas. He kind of does a sort of like a yeah, weird kind of fall. Christmas. Yeah. Listen to it. You will hear it. <laughs> and never not Dad, play that song. <laughs> no, we have enough songs to play. Just play that bit where he goes, Christmas. <laughs> we have enough songs to play. We have enough songs to play. No more songs. But we... Dad, no one's heard that song before. <laughs> it's very niche. No one's heard Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer's classic Burl Lives rendition of Have, Your, Have a Holy Jolly Christmas? Uh, no, I was just joking. I think everyone's heard that song. <laughs> I, think so. I think so. Although now you can't hear it because it's not like when we grew up when some TV station, whether it was, it would always be an American one, so it might be ABC, it might be NBC, right. it might be CBS. Right. One of those stations, and CBC would all join in the fun, but one of those stations would play Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, mm-hmm. Frosty the Snowman, yep. Charlie Brown Christmas, The Grinch's Soul Christmas, all those... The Year Without a Santa Claus. Year Without a Santa Claus, yeah, the Rankin-Bass classics. Rankin-Bass classics, and... I was, uh, I was pitching that movie to the residents the other day, and they were completely disinterested. <laughs> there was, like, no glimmer of interest in their faces at all. And I was really like, this is better than Rudolph. And they were like, no, no interest. I do not know what you're talking about. I don't know if it's... I think Rudolph is was way better than all the rest of those those ones. But they all have their, their good points. But uh, come on, Rudolph. You're without a Santa Claus, though. So good. It's okay. It's so good. It's pretty good. It's really good. You're just remembering parts of it that are really good. Mm-hmm. I guess so. I watched it pretty recently. Basically, Heat but I guess Miser I, and, and Cold Miser. Those yeah, are... but I also like like them going out of um, the North Pole, having to deal with the heat and stuff. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like a good... No, it's a good story. It's good. Yeah. It's but good. It's, no, it's, no, it's no Rudolph. Okay. I like that I turned off the computer and didn't turn off my phone. Classic. Classic me. What's worst of all is somehow I'm getting... I'm, I don't know what I did, but I'm somehow getting all these useless... Um, notifications on my phone for things i don't want like weather oh that's fun i don't care about that my i got a new phone recently and it does this irritating thing that i don't that i don't like yeah. where it doesn't show me a notification it just shows me that i got one okay it doesn't tell me what it is <laughs> i'm not hiding it from anyone just show me what my text is <laughs> and i hate it because it needs to like see your face before it shows you the text okay. but i'm wearing my mask all the time oh yeah yeah so it's like mm, nope so i have to like <laughs> manually unlock my phone just to read my stupid text I think I'll probably change it. I just haven't yet. Yeah, yeah. There must be something. All right. So maybe we should get to the music, Mary, because we actually have a lot of songs to listen to. I today. know. I told. I, have, I said. I've gone. I said. I've to done Dad, my usual, usual fun. I said, Dad, we did twenty songs for the for the Halloween one, <laughs> sure. and we ended up talking for six hours, <laughs> and I'm going to split it up into two different episodes. Yeah. Let's not do that again. No. Don't put like twenty songs on. I won't. And he put twenty four songs. Well, on. I, I didn't put twenty on. Let's give you look. Give me. Give me credit. I mean. You're right, I guess. That's here for legalisms, everyone. <laughs> so let's let's get going here. Let's, okay, let's get started. What's the first song, Dad? Uh, the first song, Mary, is by a little band. A I little liked, band? A little band you might have heard of called mm-hmm. The Monkees. Oh, them. Yeah. And this is from their 
uh, probably their most recent album and maybe one of their last because so many of them have passed away now. But it's uh, from 2018. It's uh, the album's called Christmas Party. And so let's listen to the song. What would Jesus do? did you uh i won't even say what you thought of it what did you enjoy about what would jesus do by uh, the monkeys well i didn't think it was a very christmasy song to no. begin with oh, okay <laughs> right well no no, no. like that no no, no no i didn't think it was christmasy oh what? like because it didn't i don't know it just didn't have like a christmasy vibe okay like i think that it takes more than mentioning santa <laughs> to be a christmas song okay you know oh uh, i don't know okay i don't know i just did i just didn't get anything that felt like Christmas about it mm. to me. Hmm. So 
This was, uh, like I said, it was the Monkees. It was produced by R.I.P. Adam Schlesinger, uh, from who's passed away, of course, last uh, this year, earlier this year from coronavirus. Yeah. Um, of um, Fountains of Wayne. Yes. And um, the soundtracks to many things, including Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Yes. And uh, music and lyrics. Mm-hmm. And he did a couple of Monkeys albums, Cool Times, and in this album, or sorry, Good Times, and this album. And so wait, sorry, when did this album come out? 2018. Oh, wow. Very recent. Yeah. And so this song, I know it doesn't sound like him, but this is Mickey Dolan singing the song. And obviously his voice has changed a little bit from when he was... Uh, when he was younger and his voice was yeah. kind of that old breathy tenor voice that he had. I, I was very, a... I'm very surprised to hear that this was a monkey song. Okay. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that at all. Yeah. Uh, it's written by Weezer's Rivers Cuomo. Okay. Um, who also contributed to Good Times. So on this album, there's songs from Schlesinger. Is he related to Perry Cuomo? No. Hmm. Different spelling. Oh, okay. <laughs> Cuomo. Right. Uh, is he related to Katie Cuoco from, uh, that show bang big bang theory isn't that her name you don't know isn't it well i don't know i don't know i think no i'm thinking of someone else <laughs> okay. anyway you're so silent no i was just trying to think <laughs> make me nervous no it's okay it's okay so yeah so a bunch of the people that wrote for the 2016 good times who were like like i say adam schlesinger rivers cuomo um it is ex- kaylee cuoco Kaylee, not KD. Oh, okay, sorry. Anyway. Uh, XTC's Andy Partridge as well wrote. For, so they all have come back again and contributed songs for this album. And uh, yeah, that's it, uh, too bad. So we, mostly produced by Adam Schlesinger, I should point out, because Mike Nesmith's two sons, um, Christian and Jonathan Nesmith, produced his tracks. So it's kind of a weirdly disjointed album in a way, because you have this very kind of, uh, very kind of pop 60s aesthetic of Adam Schlesinger, you know, full of like, you know, the snow bells and sleigh bells, I should say, sleigh bells and, mm-hmm. and all those sort of the kind of uh, 60s kitsch, where it's become kind of Christmas kitsch. And it's interesting, you can kind of... I didn't hear any sleigh bells in this song. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, they're they're there. Oh, okay. They're I just doing have... like a ch 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 Okay, I must have missed them. Yeah. I don't know if you've even heard this song, because it's more Christmas than you think, Mary. Apparently. Well, I just thought it sounded like a rock song. Well, that's kind of the point of it, though. Yeah. It's a rock and roll band. Doing a, Christmas, doing a Christmas song. I don't think of the Monkees as a rock and roll band. I think of them more as like a pop group. Sure. But whatever. They're a okay. pop group. Pop or rock, however you want to say it. Sure. Different, different uh, genres, but okay. I don't, I don't know if they're that different. <laughs> so where, where do the Beatles fall in this? They're a pop group? They're rock. With some poppy songs. Yeah. Like, you could say the same thing about the, the Monkees. Monkees, I think. I guess so. So, uh, and particularly when, when Mickey... Dolan oh, sounds like this now. So yeah. He really is more, mm-hmm. more rock and roll sounding than poppy sounding. And uh, because Davy Jones has passed away and Peter Tork did participate in this album, but he died like four months after it came out. He only okay. has one song on it. Can I make a um, distasteful joke? Sure. You know how sometimes, you know how there's that show where people have storage units? Okay. And they like stop paying them and then the stuff gets auctioned off or yeah. like the, the the locker gets auctioned off yeah it would be funny if davy jones had one and then they were like this was davy jones locker and they were like auctioning it off how dare you because of you know davy jones locker <laughs> you get it, it? i get it dude. i don't know <laughs> thank you i just thought that would be I, yeah, you know that'd be great that'd be you great. know they should do a show where they explore davy jones locker yes but it, is, it turns out it's empty right it'd be like geraldo rivera opening up al capone's vault hmm that happened a long time ago. Can you imagine if you were on that show or if you were like went to one of those things 
and you like pay a bunch of money and then you open it up and it's totally empty. Mm. Like Geraldo Rivera with Al Capone's vault. That's actually happened oh, in a TV I... show. They didn't open it up before they did the show. Oh. And so they had like this big show about opening this vault and then they opened it and it was empty. Oh, wow. Oops. What they didn't know (laughs) is that there was a hidden button and one of the walls opened up. Yeah. Like in a Scooby-Doo. Sure. Um, It was like national treasure. You had to have a certain thing. Exactly. A clockwork mechanism turned. Right. Totally. Yeah. Because Al Capone was related to Rube Goldberg. (laughs) (laughs) His real name was Al Capogberg. I know what I said there. This is a bunch of letters. Yeah. Those. That's fine. That's fine. All right. Let's go to the next song, Mayor, which you may not find Christmassy. I don't know. Well, don't we'll know. see. We'll see. This is uh, Carla Thomas with Gee Whiz, It's Christmas uh, from 1963, everyone. Let's give it a listen. I like that name. What's that? Gee Whiz, It's Christmas? Yeah. back mayor yes i guess you know what, what? you know what i'm gonna do now start i'm gonna grab a pen smiley faces or no faces no i'm gonna stuff. start a chris a chris christmas meter oh so here we go i'm gonna draw it out here so to line up the center one side scrooge other side santa then i'm gonna write one two three four five is center four three two one wait you can't go 
Why don't you go to 10 on one end? No, that's too many letters or too many numbers to write in a small space. Well, that uh, makes... So, Mary. But then you have to write Santa or Scrooge to clarify. That's fine. That makes no sense. Why don't you just do 1 to 10? Why do 1 to 5 and then 5 to 1 and then have to put a clarifying Santa or Scrooge? That's fine. No, it makes more more fun to me that we have a, a Scroogeometer or a Santometer or a Christmasometer. It's just so illogical. It's I can't stand behind this illogical way. It's totally logical. That's and like, you know what? I'm going to do for, for Scrooge, it's negative. One, that's two, like three, if you four, were five. like, oh, did you like that movie? And you say, yeah, I would give it a four. They'd say, oh, you really liked it. And I'd say, no, I thought it was mediocre. I give it a, a four on the bad side. <laughs> and then not. What if you said negative four? Oh, so one's negative. Yeah, one's negative and one's positive. Okay, well, you're just adding this clarification in now. So does that mean that. I've changed the order now, because Santa's on the right and Scrooge's on the left. Because that makes more sense to me in the terms of the negative, positive. It's no different. Also, okay. if you're doing a so Mayor, negative, you should have zero in the so middle. So now you have to rate the monkeys. What would what would Santa do? Yeah. Which, by the way, I wrote is, what would Jesus do in my notes? Which is not correct, but I guess mm -hmm. I was thinking of the classic thing that they were borrowing okay, wait, from. Wait, can I see it again? Looks like, okay, it's complete nonsense. First of all, <laughs> it's it's, it's completely illegible because dad did a bunch of scribbles and rewrote the letters and it just, now I can't even read what it says. Okay, but also... But you don't have is, to. I, I have to read it. Is a five... So five is in the middle. Five is in the There's middle. There's only one five. There's only one five. That's so right. five is completely neutral. That's right. So does that mean one is the most Santa or the most Scrooge? One is the most Santa... Oh, that doesn't... Oh, man, I know, it makes me. no sense. This is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> That's fine. I'll, just, I'll, I'll, oh my God. I'll translate it. So, Mary, you got to oh. rate You gotta read the monkeys. <laughs> what would, what would... I don't even... I have no idea. I cannot comprehend <laughs> how I would rate something on this scale. Well, okay. So, one Santa yes. is the most Christmassy. Okay. One Scrooge is the least Christmassy. Okay. So four but what's is almost Christmassy. Five is like a neutral. It sits. It's just like. But how is neutral it, not not Christmas? It's not. It's it's in between. It's basically what you're telling me is that it's just a song. But every song is just a song, except for Christmas songs. <laughs> but <some> neutral <laughs> and not a Christmas song are the same thing. You don't you don't say like, oh, I really really love the song "Twisted Show" by the Beatles. It's my favorite. <laughs> it's my favorite non-Christmas song. <laughs> you just say it's my favorite song. <laughs> You just have to live with it, Mary. <laughs> I can't. I can't live with it. Because it doesn't make any sense. Did, <laughs> do you want to rethink it? No. You don't want to rethink it. <laughs> Dad. Yes. I, I can't rate things on this scale. Yes, you can. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't. I can't comprehend it. <laughs> Oh, oh dear. All right. <clears throat> Get my composure back. Your, your outrage over my scale. <laughs> All right. Um, how do you rate the monkeys? I can't do it. I can't rate the, that song on a scale of one to five and then back down to one. <laughs> um, I would say... I guess it would be a four. A four on the plus, a plus four. Yeah. All right. That's pretty good. So now. Is it? 
So now, what did you think of uh, Carla Thomas's Gee Whiz? It's Christmas. Uh, I would call that one like a two. A two? Oh, so really Christmassy. I thought it was pretty Christmassy. I agree with you. I thought it was cute. Yeah. I think the name is also super cute. Yes. Um, I thought it was very classic sounding. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real, well, of course, Car- Carla Thomas was the queen of Memphis soul, mm-hmm. as acknowledged by all all and sundry. And, and so, um, you know, she had, well, her first big hit, in fact, Stax's first big hit, uh, which wasn't really their first big hit, but it was produced, pr- basically produced by the Stax people. But then uh, in order to get going as a label, they basically sold the rights uh, for Carla Thomas to Atlantic Records. And so Atlantic Records bought her contract. And so she was actually an Atlantic artist, but she did all her recordings at Stax. Okay. And her first big hit was Gee Whiz. And so, of course, of the time, if you had a hit with a song, you tried to come up with another song that would echo that original right. hit. So yes. Gee Whiz, It's Christmas... <clears throat> Uh, kind of plays on on that, right? And it's not it's the same in terms of its tune or melody or anything. It's just uh, you know it just references that song, but in a very cute way, as you say. Mm-hmm. Written by Carla Thomas, um, Booker T and MG's guitarist Steve Cropper, and Atlantic arranger Vinnie Troth. They all get a credit for it. And like I say, G Wiz was a huge hit. I think I was like number five in the the Billboard R and B and made it, made it into the top top ten on the in just the regular Billboard charts, which is really good for a black artist in those days. And What's weird about the song, though, is that it's the B-side. Oh. The the A-side was uh, Christmas Is You, hmm. which is more of a bluesy Christmas number. Right. Which isn't really my thing. But, no, me uh, This song is much more appealing to me, like, because it's a bit more poppy sounding. Yeah. Than, it's more fun. Yeah, it's much more fun. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of fun, Mary. Yes. What is your favorite part about Christmas? Like, if, you had to, if you had to say, like, what do I love most about Christmas? What is your favorite part? I think the giving. Yeah? Yeah. That's a pretty sucky answer. Why? Well, Mary likes giving. Oh, wow. Isn't well. she the best? Oh, <laughs> I guess because I like to get presents. I'm a loser. No, I'm just joking. No, no, That's no, really nice. I agree with you, though. I think. But I think like not not even is... just presents, but also like you give like your time. You give like um, like putting up lights mm-hmm. even is like giving to your community yeah. by like making this beautiful, like turning your home into like this beautiful thing yeah. that like lights up the night sky yeah you know and like giving out like cookies and cards and um yeah like giving your time to spend with people and stuff so you always like taking the cookies to their neighbor's doors yeah that's something that even i used to do when we were kids yeah i think it's like less i think it gets weirder as we get older (laughs) you know i think it's pretty cute to send like your kids around to your neighbor's house and you get a couple kids knocking on your door get some cookies (laughs) when it's like two like 20 year olds it's kind of like okay thank you yeah yeah no i i agree with you and actually that's a nice way to put it i mean i love giving gifts Mm -hmm. so that's my favorite part of christmas personally is i love the whole gift giving part of it and i love uh, yeah like i'm not a big birthday person mm. like i don't think that we're a super birthday family well we do do a birthday week but um i don't really mom does okay you don't demand no obedience for an entire week of your birthday no i don't Hmm. um and like we usually go for dinner yeah you know but like this year like i didn't get i don't do like a birthday cake yeah i mean i didn't do like a party this year but you know covid but i probably wouldn't have done a party Mm. even yeah if i even if COVID wasn't a thing, right? Like, sure. I haven't, I think I've done a birthday party in a few years. Like, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Usually get a present from Duncan, but like, 
You yeah. know, that's about it. <laughs> so, so Christmas is your time of year. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Because I just, I like the, like, reciprocity. Mm-hmm. You know? Sure. I, yeah. I, I and I also, well, yeah. Yes. All right. Yep. Well, that's nice, Mary. Do you, so you'd say gift giving is your favorite part of Christmas? Um, yeah, I love that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's lots I like about Christmas, but that's probably my favorite yeah. moment. It's part, I part I take most seriously. <laughs> almost like, yes. I get really, like, anxious about gift giving. You are. Like that and, but uh, you're really good at it, too. Oh, thank you. Like, you, you've all, you were always very, like, you know, precise and make, make sure that the gifts that we get are things that we want. And everything's always so nicely wrapped and... Even like writing, like doing like the Santa gifts, um, like wrap using a different wrapping paper and like writing it differently and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like very like yeah, precise. Precision or or fussy is the other word for it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it springs out my inner fu- inner fuss pot. Um, so, inner. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, I'm gonna mark that as a one negative one on the screw scale. <laughs> uh. So wait, wait, and one. So is one a lot or not a lot? It's terrible. Okay. Okay, let's listen to some Andy Williams. Okay. We, I don't know if we mentioned him. I think I did. I did, I did mention Andy Williams earlier. I think he did, did like three Christmas albums through the through the nineteen sixties, hmm. and this is from his third, which is actually one that he did with his brothers, the Williams brothers, featuring Andy Williams. Withers Williams Brothers Christmas album from nineteen sixty nine. This is called Kay Thompson's Jingle Bells. Let's give it a listen. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride in one or so from sleigh Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride in one or so from sleigh Come on, we're going for a sleigh ride Christmas time is here again Come on, we're going for a sleigh ride To spread good cheer again From the top of the chimney to the top of the wall Dash away, dash away, dash away all Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh Oh, St. Nicholas, he took a flight The moon was shining bright Bring out the bells Oh, St. Nick was riding through the sky You should have seen those reindeer fly Bring out the bells, it's a holiday season Bring out the bells, it's a happy time to ring the bells and hear the pretty bells chime. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. What fun it is to ride in a one-horse open Hey, and we're back, and that's a classic done up, done up in some uh, fancy, fancy uh, vocal quartettery, uh, with some uh, masterful arranging by by the great Kay Thompson. So, 
Mayor, what do you think yes. of what do you think of that song? I liked it. Yeah, it's a real. I wasn't sure when I put it on there. I was thinking, oh, I bet you Mary won't like this song because it's a real like showbiz musical sounding kind of a number with right. uh, with that kind of. But well, I mentioned I questioned you about it the other day, and when your your response was, uh, well, I'll let you respond. Well, I just I think that Christmas is like a very showy time of year mm-hmm. at all. So and like a lot of um, you know traditional Christmas carols are like church based, right? Like if you think about like you know like Hark the Herald Angels Sing, yeah, like that is like a very um, like big, it's like a big number, you know, like they, they're designed to have like whole choirs, whole rooms singing them. Like it's just, it's a showy, like they're all designed to be showy, you know, like mm-hmm. if you take that away from Christmas songs, you're taking away like the essence of them yeah, in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah. 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 They're about big emotion and big, yeah. big celebration and everything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And the song really, yeah, it's just like a big kind of showcase, not for itself, but also, yeah, for the people singing it. And, and that's uh, so, so Mary, just so you know, like, so Andy Williams, very popular singer in his day. Yeah. Uh, most popular, most best known in the, in, for singing Moon River. Okay. Which was in uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, okay. But before he became popular for that, Andy Williams, as a very young boy, because he was born in the, he's born in the 30s and, or at least in, Maybe twenty nine. He's born, I think, and so in the mid thirties, he and his brother had like a. He and brothers had a vocal quartet. His brothers Bob, Don, Dick, and and then he was youngest, a- Andy. And in nineteen forty three, they were assigned to MGM and appeared in four four of the studio's comedy musicals. And then was at MGM, they met this woman named Kay Thompson, and they formed a nightclub act with 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 her. He was born in nineteen twenty seven. Okay. Um, the quartet was formed in nineteen thirty eight. Oh, okay. Yeah, so still pretty young though yeah. for for eleven like 20? years. Yeah, eleven years old. What? Thirty eight, twenty seven. Oh right, yeah, eleven. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. And so then, um, so Kate Thompson, I think probably nowadays is best known for the Eloise books uh, about the little girl who lives at the uh, yeah, the hotel. Pro- and, yeah, yeah, probably. And but Thompson in, in the forties, along with the musical director at MGM, this guy named Roger Edens, they were like the secret weapon in Arthur Freed's musical production par- department at MGM. So they worked on movies like Singing in the Rain and it's, uh, Meet Me in St. Louis and Chip, you know, Anchors Away and On the Town and all those movies. And her job there, she was the studio's vocal arranger, vocal coach, and choral director, as well as the performance coach. Because, you know, they would get actors in who were good at acting, but they didn't know how to perform a song. Right. And so her job was to bring them out so they were... Be more flamboyant in their in their right. singing style, more broad, more more performance and how mm-hmm. they're, how they're working. And no, so she worked with Frank Sinatra, Gene Kelly, Judy Garland. Really was really uh, really loved Kay Thompson. Right, and her goddaughter is uh, Liza, Liza Minnelli. Minnelli. That's right. So that makes sense. Yeah, and she performed with Liza Minnelli in a movie in 1969. Whose name I can't remember now. Something or other. Where are you going? Blah blah. Wanda June. And then uh, and Liza Minnelli later on did a tribute um, a tribute act basically reproducing Kate Thompson's nightclub act on stage. Um, so that they, that act broke up in 1953. Basically, it broke up in 49. Then they reunited for in for another two years of touring. And they finally broke up in 53. And the Williams brothers went their separate ways. Kate Thompson kind of went hers. But what people didn't know at the time was that she and Annie Williams, despite the fact that she was 38 and he was 18, had become romantically involved with each other. Yikes. Yikes, indeed. That's not good. Uh, well, it was good for him in a way because she mentored Williams in as a singer. She used her contacts to get him uh, 
a television appearances, mm-hmm. a, record, a recording contract with Cadence Records, and <clears throat> and she also composed many songs for him, too, that he sang at the time. Right. So. But she also has known him since he was a kid, and now they're in a relationship, <laughs> and that is gross. It's kind of weird. Uh, and then starting in 1962, the Williams Brothers would reunite every year for a Christmas special on television. Because hmm. Andy Williams had his own TV show, and so every year, and that t- part of that, as part of that TV show... Mm-hmm. His brothers would come on and they would do a Christmas special. And so this is kind of like a recorded memor- memorial of, of that of that show. Oh, okay. So it's kind of fun. There's a lot of good songs in there. This, uh, this is one of my favorites just because it's uh, it has Kay Thompson involved with it too, which really appeals to my inner musical theater nerd. Right. Okay, so let's move on to our next song. Okay. And this is uh, Little Jimmy Thomas, mm-hmm. or as he was probably known by other people, Jimmy Thomas, with the song Deck the Halls, Bracket, Fa la 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 end bracket mm-hmm. from 1964. So here we go, everyone. Deck the halls a little bow no holly. Fa la 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 la. Tis a season to be jolly. Fa la 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 la. again and one thing i liked mary when i was doing this mix and i did it just out of base on what i liked and i just kind of put a bunch of songs together in a folder and then kind of narrowed it down to to this final final 24 uh and believe me i had way more than that when i started i yeah i don't doubt that but what i like about it is how different it is than what uncle david gave us last year what david m gave us last year for right. the show whereas he brought in i think a more contemporary and kind of a more folky um, for the most part, I think his songs yeah. are a little oh, bit yeah. more. No, I would agree with a little that. Little more, con- they're kind of contem- contemporary, traditional is what I would call his. Yeah. His his uh, mix and mine is not. Mine is not contemporary to to a large degree, and it's not traditional. 
but it's more it reflects my what I love in music, and right. so this song is some you know reflects that as well, which is R and B, uh, which I love. So you know, if you have an R and B Christmas song, I will more than likely be interested in it. Hmm. And so I really like this song a lot. Uh, what do you think of it? This song I liked. Um, I thought it was a fun rock version of Deck the Halls. Yeah. It's not like the most faithful adaptation no, of the song. No, no, no. But I thought it was really fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It like brings a lot of like energy, mm-hmm. good energy. And like, I mean, it, Deck the Halls is already a pretty fun song. Yeah, it's a right? fun song, sure. Like it's not, it's not like a Christmas carol, you know. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a really fun song. And I thought this sort of like, yeah, took it in an interesting direction. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Uh, oh, I forgot to ask you what you thought uh, Andy Williams' sleigh ride, where Kate Thompson's sleigh ride, where that fell on the, our Chris Chris Massometer. Um, I would say that that would be probably a one. Oh wow! Very Christmassy. I'd Very say Christmas-y. this one is like a two. Nice. Maybe more. Maybe a three. Oh, I'm gonna take it down a bit. Just because you don't think of Deck the Halls as being very Christmassy? No, just because I think that it's like, I think it's distant enough from the original. Okay. And like has, doesn't have like enough pieces from the original. Mm. Like I think, I think that some songs, if you were to listen to them, like I think that there are some songs you could listen to not, ooh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. No, no, explain it. What? No, I don't know how to. You think some songs, you think some songs, like okay, I'm going to interpret what you're going to say. You think some songs... Mm. Uh, well, Christmas songs have particular uh, touchstones in them that need to, that uh, a faithful adaptation needs to also include in it. So, say the Yule log of Deck the Halls. If you don't say Yule log in your in your in your reinterpretation, then no, you're kind of missing out. The, is that what you're going to say? No, okay. not what I was going to say. Okay. I was going to say that um, that like I could li- like there are some Christmas songs that you can listen to and feel the Christmassy mm. element, even if you're not listening to the lyrics. Okay. But some you need to listen to the lyrics to feel like it's a Christmas song. Hmm. I would say that the first song we listened to fell into that category. Okay. Where if I wasn't listening to the lyrics and if I hadn't, if you hadn't told me, hey, this is a Christmas song, sure, I might not. I wouldn't walk out of it thinking, oh, that was a Christmas song. That's funny you say that because I think it does have some of the touchstones of a Christmas song, like the use of bells in it, for instance, which you don't really find too often in, in, in the rock first, or Are we talking the song. first song? Or yeah, the song? I'm talking about the monkey song. I didn't hear the the bells in it. Oh really? Yeah. Because that's the like the main part of the opening of the song is the bells playing well against the guitar. Yeah, I totally missed it. Mm. I didn't hear. And it then at there all. is the the sleigh the sleigh bells in it. But what's funny if you listen to this mix, if you listen to a mix of older Christmas songs, you won't find many songs that have sleigh bells in them. Right. Sleigh bells wasn't a wasn't a popular part of Christmas song instrumentation until more into the seventies eighties. Before that time, basically starting with the Beach Boys and Little Saint Nick, that's where I think it really kind of started from. The use of like the heavy use of, of sleigh bells in, in Christmas songs, which uh, Brian Wilson was not using in that song to be Christmassy. He was using that song because almost all the songs he was producing at that time period had sleigh bells in them. Right. Whether they were a song about surfing or a song about Little Saint Nick, right. he was still using sleigh, uh, sleigh bells were uh, to him a great uh, percussion device in right. the song. That makes sense. And but once that became popular, it's now it dropped from being used in regular songs, and it's just become a Christmas song sta- standby. Mm. Okay, so. But I don't think that it's necessarily like jingle bells or or anything. Just I don't know. I guess there's just sort of like a feeling sure. to a Christmas song that is like a like joyfulness, mm-hmm. but also like often a sense of sadness okay that's i think is more about the season than it is about christmas sure um and also often a sense of sort of like awe 
Mm. You know? Mm. Sure. I mean, I think... I mean, I do think those are important parts of some Christmas songs, but I don't mm-hmm. think it's necessary that all songs display awe or have even actual references to Christmas in order no. to be... Because I think something that Uncle David likes to talk about is the seasonal Christmas or seasonal songs. Yes. That aren't necessarily like... Well, yeah, like... Um, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Or Winter Wonderland. Yeah. Or Jingle Bells. Yeah, yeah. Or Jack the Halls. That's right. Halls. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah, and like, you know, I'm not like, you know, seasonal winter. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's why I don't think sleigh bells are necessarily necessary. Yeah. And also why a lot of these songs often do have a sense of like sadness. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Just about, yeah, the reality of the season. And yeah. Part, part of that is when they're written. There's a lot of songs mm-hmm. that are written during World War Two. Yeah. Like I'll Be Home for Christmas mm-hmm. or White Christmas, songs like that, mm-hmm. which are about longing for a, yeah. for something that you can't have because of the circumstances of the time period. Yes. But, um, or... A song like this, which isn't a Christmas song necessarily, but is, I think, a winter song. And this is All Winter Long by Linda Laurie that came out in 1959. So let's give it a listen, everybody. Okay, let's hear it. And we're back, Mayor. Christmas ometer meet uh, reading. Chris, wait, uh, Christmas, 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 Christmas ometer. Okay, sure. Sorry, what year is the song from? This is from 1959. What year was the second song from? The second song we played, uh huh, which was Gee Whiz, It's Christmas. Gee Whiz, It's Christmas was 1963. Oh, okay. I thought that they had kind of a similar style. Oh, okay. Um, but I was gonna say this one. Yeah. I really liked it. Mm. I thought it was cute. Yeah. I thought it was fun. Sure. The lyrics were fun. Yeah. It was catchy. Yeah. I liked it. Great. Great. And uh, where do you rate it on the uh, Christmas? Cri- I would Christmas-ma- give it a two. A plus two. Wow. That's nice. No, a negative two. Really? No. A plus two. <laughs> okay. Of course. I'm not going to give anything a negative rating because it makes no sense. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. If you think it's less Christmassy than- Five. 
Five is like neutral. No, it's not neutral. Five is five is just like a regular song. Well, it's like a house. You know what five is? Mm. Five is a house with a Christmas tree in it that isn't turned on, and the light they didn't put any bother to put any okay. lights up that year. And then, um, and then a negative one. Yeah. is that house we went past where they sold their Halloween decorations up? That's right. Well, no, that would be neg- that would be yeah negative one. Sorry, yeah, yeah, negative one. That's right. You don't even understand your own rating system, Dad. <laughs> I gotcha. Boom. Gotcha. Boom. So if believe it or not, this girl was in high school when she recorded this song. Oh wow. She went to Abraham Lincoln High in New York City from Brooklyn. And she actually came to prominence with a novelty song called Ambrose Part Five. Hmm. And there were no preceding parts. Okay. It's called sure. Ambrose Part Five. And it came about because she and her friends were goofing around with a tape recorder. Well, it started out with her babysitting, and I guess where she was babysitting there was a little uh, stuffed animal. And like a puppet, and she made made this puppet, and she gave it a voice to kind of talk like "hello," like that. <laughs> and so, and she called it Ambrose, right? And she started like kind of riffing on that, and then she and her friends started kind of riffing on this story. And so, Ambrose is about this girl walking with her boyfriend through a subway tunnel. Like, so they're walking along the tracks in a subway tunnel, right? And she's talking to him, and she has a very thick kind of Brooklyn accent, and it's kind of one of those, you know, "Gee whiz, why are we walking?" My mom and he just and he'll keep he's keep saying, "Keep on walking." <laughs> But she did both the voices. She did right. the girl and she also did Ambrose. And so she recorded it as a demo. And it's basically like a kind of jazzy piano number with her doing this monologue. And she personally took it around to radio stations around the New York area. And they started playing it. And it became, like, I think it reached number 52 in the Billboard charts. Mm, wow. Which is pretty good. Yeah. Unfortunately, she never like reached that level of fame again. You know, she did this song. So she, she did a couple songs for the Glory label. She did this song for a record label called Andy. She did one for Keech. She did some for Rakona and a couple for a label called Rust. So she just kind of went from label to label, you know, selling her songs. And then they would put it out on the off chance that it might be a hit. Right. But unfortunately, none of them were. Uh-huh. Uh, she did a couple more like kind of returns to Ambrose, like Ambrose Returns and stuff like that. And those didn't really do very much. And then she eventually she went to the West Coast mm-hmm. where she wrote songs for people like Bobby Vinton and Sonny and Cher and mm, Nancy cool. Sinatra. Did she mostly do... Um do novelty songs for them no, as well? No, like no. Some more songs like this. Like, this song's really a novelty song. Like, this song I don't think yeah. is a novelty song. No, it's song. not. It's just like a... And this song was the B-side of a, of a song called Stay With Me, which is a really nice song as well, but totally different, and it's not like a winter song or anything. Right. Um, but then she had, like, a big hit. She recorded an album in, like, the 71 or something like that, and it had a song on it called Leave Me Alone, bracket, Ruby Red Dress, end bracket, which did nothing for that on her record, but then it was covered by Helen Reddy, and was a number three hit. Oh, wow. So she made some good money from that. And she also wrote a song for Love Unlimited during like the disco craze. So that, you know, probably put some money in her pocket as well. So she, you know, she did all right with her songwriting. And that's always good. It's good to have a hit. Yes. Yeah, it is. I mean, I imagine maybe, well, I mean, I guess I'm just speculating, but it's likely that she, you know, was hoping that she would be more of a singer yeah, than, yeah. A, um, than a songwriter. But I mean, even then, like, you know, getting that sort of really positive review from a song that you wrote, from it becoming so popular, even when you didn't, um, even when you didn't sing it, is still really good. I can't remember the name of the show. I think it's called "What's My Line," and it was a show where you would have three people come out impersonating one one person who's there. Oh. So two of them are fakes, and one is the real person. Weird. And then they would, you know, say, "Well, the real so and so, please stand up." After the contestants on the show would guess. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, I actually found on YouTube an appearance by by uh, uh, Linda uh, Linda Lowry. Yeah. 
um, whose name, real name was Linda Gertz. So if, when on her records, she's always credited as Gertz. Right. Because she wrote, she wrote the songs as well. Yeah. She wasn't just a singer. She wrote all, she co-wrote all win- in winter long. Uh, but it has her appearing on, on what's my line, as the writer of Ambrose. Oh, okay. And with two other girls. And then, you know, then the, I think Betty White is one of the, one of the uh, people trying to guess who she is. And then Ralph Bellamy. And uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Maybe I'll, I'll, I might post it. If I remember, I'll post it on the website. And if I don't, you can look it up on YouTube if you're interested. Okay, let's go on to your next song, sweetie. Okay, what is it? This is Otis Redding mm-hmm. with a song that's become more popular than I remember it when I was a kid. Okay. Uh, and it's part of why I, why I included it. And then I heard it in a department store the other day when I was walking in it. And I thought, why did I put it on the mix? But anyway. What, what, uh, what store? The Bay, I think. Oh, okay. One of, it was at Willowbrook Mall anyway. Hmm. Merry Christmas, baby. From 1968. So this was a posthumous release for Otis Redding. Here we go. Okay, let's hear it. Merry Christmas, baby. Should it treat me nice? Merry Christmas, baby. Should it treat me nice? Bought me a diamond ring for Christmas. I feel like I'm in paradise. I feel mighty fine, y'all. I got music on my radio. The Christmas Christmas little Christmometer Christmasometer. What Christmasometer. Do you rate, what do you rate it? At? Um, in terms of Christmassy, I would say it's like a one or a two. Okay. But I didn't like it very much. Really? Well, I just Why thought not? it was too Elvisy. Okay. I don't like Elvis. Yeah. I don't like his style. I yeah. don't like his sound. Yeah. It reminded me of him. Oh. I don't like that style or that sound. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I don't. To me, it doesn't sound like Elvis because it's 
Otis Redding singing. That's yes. Pretty distinctive singer. Well, I'm not saying like the vocals, yeah. just like the mood. Okay. okay. Like kind of had that like Elvisy, Frank Sinatra y, mm. big band sure. or whatever you yeah, call yeah. that sound. I'm not a fan. Okay. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, it's a, uh, interestingly, this song is a cover. Okay. Of a song from 1947 called Merry Christmas Baby. And that song was uh, originally done by a, guy, a group called Johnny Moore's Three Blazers. And um, now, although the song is credited, credited to Johnny Moore and another guy named Lou Baxter, it was actually a collaboration between the Three Blazers pianist, vocalist, Charles Brown, hmm. and Lou Baxter. And what happened was, this is according to Brown, and documentation from the period backs him up. So according to him, Lou Baxter needed, had throat cancer, needed, needed to get surgery, and he had no money. Right. So he was if... The Blazers would do one of his songs. He would get a $500 advance. Hmm. And so he said to Charles Brown, would you mind looking through my songs and finding one that you like and performing it? And Brown was like, sure, that's fine. And so he took this bunch of songs home and he was looking through them. So to be honest, he didn't like them very much, but he found one that he thought was pretty good. It was called Merry Christmas Baby. So he took that song, kind of rearranged it for the for the three Blazers and rewrote some of the lyrics. So basically it should have been a collaboration between Baxter and Brown. But what happened was he presented it to to Johnny Moore, and Johnny Moore then took the song, and so he registered, put it, put it under his own name, uh, with Lou Baxter instead. Right. So he he got the writing credit, and the only uh, the only um, kind of uh, little bit of um, what's the word I'm looking for? The only thing that made it okay for for Charles Brown that this happened was that no one got paid for it anyway, because the label owner was such a was such a rip off artist. Right. That no one got paid for any of the music they did anyway, so it was hmm. it was okay. No one got anything for it. Well, that sucks, though. <laughs> yeah. I guess the one guy got $500 for it, hopefully. But um, yeah, so like I say, the song's been, it was a cover, but it's been covered, was covered many times. Like Chuck Berry did it. Okay. Ike and Tina Turner did it. Mm-hmm. Booker T and the MGs did it. And what's kind of funny to me is Booker T and the MGs did it in 1966, I think. Even Mae West covered it, which is so weird. Oh, wow. But Booker T and the MGs covered it, I think in 66. So within a year, because Otis Redding died in 67 in a plane crash. So... Within a year, they re-recorded it. Now, every version of it from the time of the Three Blazers was a blues version of the song. It's not like this. It's not like this version of the song. It's more like, you know, Merry Christmas, baby. Right. You really do, do, do. You know, that kind of real bluesy sort of yeah. stuff. That, you know, and so what's interesting to me, and even, even the Booker T and the MGs version is like that. It's really slow, and it's hmm. all kind of... All that blues stuff. And then... Which, uh, Probably can tell I'm not a huge blues guy. So, so then uh, what? Based on you mocking it? <laughs> Woke up this morning, found myself a present. You're making everything sound like the theme song to Frasier. <laughs> Woke up this morning, found some scrambled eggs and salad. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, so it's interesting to me. So I obviously I'll credit Otis Redding as being the person who who made the arrangement for this song because he changes it quite a bit and in a really appealing way. He takes it from being just a standard kind of bluesy sounding song from the forties. Yep. And makes it into a poppy soul song. Right. You know, with that great little organ part from Booker T Booker T himself mm-hmm. playing that little nice little organ part that sounds very much like uh Bob Dylan from sixty six uh, doing like positively four street or whatever it has hmm. a very similar sound to the organ as l cooper's organ from that time period but uh yeah they kind of take that 
and add it to the song, and it, it really brings it alive for me. Obviously, not for you. Eve liked it. But what I think is funny is that... Did you hear what I said? Eve liked it? Yeah. Oh, she did. Oh, yeah. that's good. That's good. Well, yeah, tell me songs that Eve liked, too. That's good to know. Uh, so then... Um, I will so... when I remember. She actually wrote most of my notes. <laughs> oh, okay. Wrote most, wrote most of my notes she for was, me. Oh, she was your amanuensis? Yes. The right? Nice. Yep. She was, um, yeah, she was dictating for me. No, you were dictating. She was... Oh, I would say, take a note. She was your steno or yeah. amanuensis. So then, uh, so the other interesting part of this thing is one of the reasons Merry Christmas Baby was created was because the label owner for this record company called Exclusive Records, this guy named Leon Rene, he wanted a song to rival White Christmas. And so he had the Three Blazers create a Christmas song, and that became Merry Christmas Baby. Right. But what's funny is that Merry Christmas Baby was a single. It was only released as a single. And it's actually the B-side of the single. The A-side was White Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Irony! (laughs) All right. Let's give a listen now to a more contemporary Christmas. This song is from 1999, and it's by Lowe, and the song is called Just Like Christmas. Oh, I was going to say, and this is a grunge Christmas song, 1999. <laughs> it's not grunge. Came right out of Seattle. This is slowcore, Mare. Oh, yes, it's Lowe. We've had Lowe before. Yeah, we have. So let's give a listen to Just Like Christmas by Slow, by Slow, or Lowe. Sorry, not Slow. Lowe. Just like 
And we're back. Mare. Yes. Pull out the old Christmasometer and uh, tell me what it's reading. Okay. I would say this one is also a two. A plus two. All right. So you still think it's Christmassy? Yes. That's good. Yeah. It's more of a story song taking place around Christmas time. Mm, yeah. But it's uh, it's kind of nice, I think. Yeah. I like this. I liked it. Oh, good. I thought good. it was a nice song. Yeah. I liked her singing. Mm, she's very good. Mimi Parker. Yeah. yeah. And I liked the Jingle Bells. The Jingle Bells are a big part of it, for sure. Uh, Yeah, you can really hear that prominent use of the Jingle Bells in it. And yeah, I like like this kind of story the song tells of like, at one point they're talking about being in Oslo and they say, uh, it's not like Christmas at all. And then when they come back again after the trip has gone sort of round trip back to Oslo and then Mm -hmm. it's just like Christmas. And they say it's just like Christmas because it makes them feel like little kids to be coming back into Oslo. And I think that's a real Christmassy feeling is that taking you back to... Christmas is when you were younger, you know, and that's, I think that's an important part of Christmas for, for most people who have good memories of Christmas. Obviously there's people who have very painful memories of Christmas and that's really terrible because it's such a perfect time of the year to create great memories, you know? And yeah. And I hope people can get past your own feelings about Christmas in order to create great Christmases for other people. Right. But um, yeah, this came out shortly after they released their fourth album, which was called Secret Name. And they were kind of growing out of their slowcore roots by this point in their career. About to make a turn for the poppier, they'd signed to a different label, a label called Cranky. And so this was their first release on... Or Secret Name was their first release on Cranky. Then they put out this EP, which was an eight-song EP, uh, five originals and three covers, including An Interminable Blue Christmas. It's a minute longer than the, the original. And what do you think of Blue Christmas, Mayor? Blue Christmas? Yeah. I don't love it. Yeah, me neither. I'm not a big fan of yeah. it. And if you don't like all of us, you're really not. That's the thing. <laughs> Eve, one of Eve's friends, yeah. um, really likes Blue Christmas. Yeah. And yeah. will listen to it year round. Yeah, that's weird to me. Yeah, it's so weird. Like I just... They'll be like camping, like at a campfire, and like he rolls up and he's like, <laughs> oh, I'll play a song. And Eve's like, oh, it's going to be Blue Christmas. And it always is. Does he play it like on a guitar or just. No, like plug in his oh, phone. Plug in his phone? And yeah. Play. Yeah. <laughs> Like in the summertime when they're camping. What are you doing? <laughs> Get out of here, I'll Kyle. Have a blue. Get out of here. Like, all right, everyone's going to bed now, I guess. <laughs> uh, the single, or sorry, the EP was was kind of born out of a single the band had done a couple of years earlier. The single, uh, and it was used, put in a promotional Christmas album for some British label. Mm-hmm. And the song was called If You Were Born Today, Song for Little Baby Jesus, hmm. that starts with the line, uh, If You Were Born Today, We'd kill you by age eight. So the point of the song is that a baby born like Jesus would not live. We'd just kill kill it. <laughs> Wait. Anyway, why would why would it die? Would it I don't know. I guess we have to listen to the song. I'm just wondering what their point is. I think their point is the world's even nastier now than it was when Christ was born. Hmm. Which I don't think is necessarily true, but well, I think that was a pretty nasty time period. Yeah, but I think it all is. Yeah, but I think it's slowly gotten better. I think some things have, but I think it's still overall pretty terrible. Yeah, but it's better. I mean, it's still terrible. Yeah. But... I don't know. know if it's better. I think we just think it's better. Well, yeah. We've made a nice corner of the world for ourselves. Yeah. That's not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> still not much better, though. It's <laughs> something. <laughs> These are not torturing each other to death to make a point. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure that the people back then who also lived in, you know, a happy little corner of the world were like, things aren't that bad. That's right. At least I'm not getting tortured. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah so um that's low anyway mary i'm glad you enjoyed it uh and speaking mary since you're being such a sourpuss about christmas what i'm not being a sourpuss about christmas i think it's time that we played blue christmas what oh 
by Miles here. Davis and Bob Duro. <laughs> this is a real jazzy thing. I threw in here. I knew Mary would hate it, but I had to put it in anyway because uh, I love Bob Duro. I love Miles Davis. Mm-hmm. I love jazz. And this is such a great little jazzy little And he loves short the song thing. Blue Christmas. And I like the song too. It's a lot of fun. So let's give a listen to some hip, cool jazz, babies. Here we go, cats. Merry Christmas. I hope you have a white one, but for me it's blue. Blue Christmas. That's the way you see it when you're feeling blue. Blue Xmas. When you're blue at Christmas time, you see right through all the waste, all the sham, all the haste, and plain old bad taste. Sidewalk Santa Clauses are much, much, much too thin. They're wearing fancy rented costumes, false beards, and big fat phony grins. And nearly everybody's standing around holding out their empty hand our tin cup. Gimme, 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 gimme. Fill my stocking up all the way up. It's a time when the greedy give a dime to the needy. Christmas, all the paper is in the faulty rock. Blue Xmas, people trading gifts that matter not at all. What I call faulty raw, bitter gall. Faulty raw. Addressing 20 zillion Christmas cards Now Yuletide is a season to receive And oh to give and ah to share But all you December do-gooders rush around And rant and rave and loudly blare Merry Christmas I hope yours is a bright one but for me And we're back, Mayor Yes. Let's pull out the old Chris Massometer. Mm-hmm. Chris Massometer. Chris Massometer. Let's bring it out. And uh, where does this rate? Three. Plus three. Yeah. Wow. Because it's pretty Christmassy. Yeah. Just not like a positive Christmas. It's I more... just don't like it. <laughs> just because, like, I don't like the song, but that doesn't mean it's not very Christmassy. There are Christmassy songs that I don't like very much. All right. You know? All right. And this is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Complaints? Too jazzy. Yes. Too dissonant. Okay. Those and are my complaints. Anything that's bad about it? Yes. Those two things were too bad. They were bad about it. Wait. The so jazziness. The two positive things you just told me. Yeah. Mm, one, no. that it's too jazzy. It's a bad thing. And also that it's too dissonant. That's a bad thing. But not necessarily. Mm. Like if you enjoy Charles Ives, the American composer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the French composer. Right. Or Russian slash French composer, Igor yeah. Stravinsky. Then you are, to a degree, a fan of, of mm-hmm. dissonance in your music. Mm. Well, I don't. Oh. And I'm not. 
So okay. Well, that answers that. Yep. But you did give it a plus three, so that's really good. But I, ju- again, just because I think it's like again, I think Blue Christmas is pretty Christmassy. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm a fan of it. Yeah. 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 So this song was recorded in 1962, basically at the instigation of Columbia Records, who wanted Miles Davis to contribute a song to a planned Christmas jazz compilation, which was called Mary. Can you believe what it's called? It's called Jingle Bell Jazz. This came out in 1962. It was full of Columbia jazz artists. Hmm. Now, Davis didn't really know... I'm assuming that the song Jingle Bell Rock was out at this time. Hmm, I think so, yeah. yeah. Probably a play on that, right? Bobby Helm, I think, was the first person to do Jingle Bell Rock. And that might have been out by that point. Yeah. Anyway, it's called Jingle Bell Jazz. 1957. 57? Wow! I didn't think it would be that early. But he was the first, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bobby, you said Bobby Helms, right? Yeah. Yep. The B-side was Captain Santa Claus and his reindeer space patrol. <laughs> I guess he was going for the real novelty number on the back end of that. Yeah. Cool. So Davis wasn't too sure what he was going to do with this. So he turned to Bob Duro, who he had met in LA in the 50s. And he was a real fan of Bob Duro's hip, laid back singing style. And would often have him sit in with the band and perform this song called Baltimore Oriole, which was a song written by that famous songwriter who had a really folksy name. Who is it, Mary? Who is it? Tell me. Gosh darn it, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Folksy name. Wrote famous singer-songwriter, not like Cole Porter, but like him. I think he actually performs in some movies. And Oh man, I can't remember his name. Do I feel like a dummy? Anyway, he wrote Baltimore Oriole. It's a really good song if you've never heard it. It's sort of a Christmassy song as well. So Duro flew out to New York, lyrics clasped in his hands, and he came out and sang with Davis and his band. Hoagie Carmichael? That's the guy. Thank you. That's a real folksy name, right? Yeah, it is. Hoagie, Sandwich, Carmichael. <laughs> is that his middle name? What? Sandwich was his middle name. No, right? a Hoagie's like a sandwich. Yeah. Right? So Hoagie's... Oh, his real name. Yeah. Hoagland. Yeah. Howard Carmichael. Wow. Born in Bloomington, Indiana in 1899. Hmm. Cool. You know what? Yeah. I, I realized I was born in 1994. Yeah. And one day I'm going to tell someone yeah. I was born in 1994. Yeah. And they're going to say, you were born in the 1900s? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to say, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'll be, and people will say about you, they'll be like, can you imagine uh, grandma lives through the invention of blah, 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 yeah. blah. Yeah. She was here when they invented... They the smartphone. The, the smartphone, the wormhole that's allowed us to travel through space. See, we're here mm-hmm. for the discovery of... <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, he performed it with uh, Miles Davis and his hip septet. In fact, this was his first performance with Wayne Shorter. Miles Davis was the first time he played with Wayne Shorter. Uh, of course, with Gil Evans doing the arrangements for the song. That's why it's a little dissonant, as Mary pointed out, because Gil Evans loved the loved that little bit of the chromatic, the dissonant elements in the song. Hmm. Good to know. But great. So I can avoid them. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Sketches of Spain, pretty classic album, Mary. I've never heard like, of it. If you don't like jazz, you're not going to appreciate it, I guess. Okay. Mare? Yes. Now, there's one thing I know, that if you put a song on a mix that you think someone's not going to like, you better follow it up with a with a nice, with a fun song that you think some, everyone's going to like. And that's why I follow this song with Claudine Lager's I Don't Intend to Spend Christmas Without You. Mm-hmm. That's why this song is next. I would put it on in any way. Right. But it comes here because right. I just made you sit through Blue Christmas. Right. Or I... Blue Xmas, as yes. it's called. And, hey. and also the one before it. No, that's a good song. Which I didn't like very much either. That's incidental. I think you're pretty much alone in that category. Right. So you, what you're saying is you knew I wasn't going to like Alone Blue on a Christmas. Hill. 
I knew I knew you wouldn't like Blue Christmas because okay. it's a jazzy song. Yeah. And it's like, Mary's not going to like the jazzy song. But yeah. you know what? Well, I yeah. love this song. I was I was playing a game at work with the residents, yeah. which was Hot Chocolate and Guess This Christmas Carol, yeah. where I was playing instrumental versions of Christmas songs sure. and then getting them to guess what the song was. Yeah. They were overall pretty good. There were a few that stumped them, mm-hmm. mostly like the more obscure ones like Brig a Torch, Jeanette, Isabella. Um, even though one of the residents knew it because the week before... Um, one of the nurses plays piano and yeah. sometimes after her shift ends, she'll come down and play piano for the residents. Yeah. And I was there and I was like, oh, we'll play this one because no one knows the lyrics to bring a torch to Jeanette Isabella. And then one of the residents was, because uh, we're not supposed to do allow singing right oh, now because yeah, yeah, of yeah. COVID. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're all, they're all supposed to wear masks all the time anyway, but yeah. often they're drinking coffee in sure. the square so they can take their mask off. And one resident was singing. <laughs> and I was like, I already know the lyrics to bring a torch to Isabella. <laughs> but then I was like, oh, well, she's here, so she'll know this one. And yeah. I played it and she, she didn't know. Oh. And I was like, oh, you knew it last week. She's only used to the piano version. I, I guess so. Um, but yeah, and the Friendly Beasts, they didn't get either. <laughs> And they didn't also didn't get oh oh how a rose air bloom no low how a rose air blooming yeah I mean we sing that in we sing that Christmas in church all the yeah. time but I I couldn't pick it out of, yeah I couldn't pick it out of a lineup yes that's fair but that same resident who um had been singing bring a torch Jeanette Isabella recognized it when I said the title okay okay so this was that yeah she might have just been not on that week yeah you know it's possible everyone's yeah with seniors they're every day is different right like <laughs> sure. sometimes sometimes you get a good day sometimes you get a bad day sometimes sure. you get a good hour yeah sometimes you get a bad hour so that's that's me too yeah and it's hard now too with you know we do a- activities in the afternoon mm-hmm. but often people are in a nappy mood at 2 30 okay which is when we our activities start they do 2 30 to 3 30 yeah and yeah they're often just wanting to nap at that time <laughs> so you know sometimes we'll call them hey come on we're doing something and they're like whoa <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm like, okay, okay, sorry for waking you up. <laughs> Just don't want there to be two two people at this thing. Why don't uh, Why don't you do them right after lunch? Because now we have t- two different lunch shifts. Okay, Mayor, let's yeah. listen to uh, Claudine Langer. Okay, this is as I said. I don't intend to spend Christmas without you. Mm-hmm. This came out in 1967, so let's give it a listen. Show it, 
Make a guess at um, that she's French. Wee <laughs> wee. Oui, oui. <laughs> she is French. Sounded very French. Yes, she does. Yeah, yeah. she almost plays it up in her singing. Style, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, and the fact also that she cannot pronounce her R's mm. and she has pronounced them as W's also right. is, a, is a part of her part of her style. Hmm. And what did you think of the song, Mary? This song, I liked it. That's good. It is really sweet. It's nice. It's kind of sad, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit sad. Sure. It's very has a lot of longing. Yeah, which I think is, um, you know, it's it's a uh, it is kind of a sad time of year for a lot of people, sure. right? Sure. If you're not able to make it home for your family, I think this year was an especially cr- sad Christmas. A lot of people are affected by seasonal affective disorder at this time of year, mm-hmm. myself included. Yeah. Um. So you know, just can be a sad time of year sometimes. Hmm. Um. What do you think of it on in the Christmas meter? Oh, um, I would say probably a two. Okay. Well, I'm glad we haven't gotten into the negative so far. No, we probably won't. They're all that Christmassy. Mm, no, I just think it's a nonsensical scale. It's not. It is. Not at all. Not at all. So this Kwame Langer mm-hmm. connects to one of our earlier artists today, and that is Andy Williams. Oh, okay. Because Andy Williams, mm-hmm. who went out with Kay Thompson yes. until 1961. And then married Claudine Langer. Le- he met her in 1960. Mm-hmm. She was, according to rumor, according to the myth, um, her car was broken down on the side of the road. She had a flat tire. And Annie Williams, who was driving by, stopped mm-hmm. to give her a hand. Mm-hmm. And she was a dancer in Las Vegas for, right. a, for a show called the Folie Berger Review at the Tropicana Casino. And I imagine it was super classy, of course. Mm-hmm. Get it out of your head. It was all can-can, Mary. Yes. No. Yeah. Classy to the nth degree. This is all, this is Las Vegas we're talking about, right? Yeah, I've driven through it once, <laughs> and so we very purposely didn't stop everywhere. Although we did have to stay in a hotel there overnight. Uh, well, you'll be happy that, to know that history kind of repeats itself here, Mary, because mm-hmm. Andy Williams met her. Yep, he fell. They fell in love, mm-hmm. and they married in 1961. Mm-hmm. He was 32. Uh-huh. She was 18. Mm-hmm. Well, keeping the streak wait. alive. When? When? What year did they meet? 61 or 60? And they got married that same year. Next year, they met when she was 18. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I mean, it's different. I mean, it's still gross. Definitely grosser <laughs> to, like, meet someone when they're 10 okay. and then start a relationship with them when they're 18 or announce that that's when you're in a relationship with them. Yeah. Is this, like, you know, just feels like grooming. <laughs> okay. So, um, so yeah, they were married. They had three kids. And uh, they were married till 19... 
70, mm-hmm. at which point they were separated, but they remained uh, separated and I think until 74 or 75, they, they finally got divorced. But uh, I guess through his influence, she was able to become a TV actress. She appeared on a lot of different TV shows like McHale's Navy. She was actually in the movie for McHale's Navy. Hmm. She appeared in Hogan's Heroes and Combat, oh, probably often, often playing French characters because Hogan's Heroes, of course, which is, takes place during World War II, you could have a French uh, girl who somehow is part of the French underground, let's say. I'm just speculating, of course. Uh, combat could be the same thing because Combat, of course, was a World War II-based uh, TV show. And so once again, she could be being some sort of French country girl or whatever. And Michaela's Navy, I have no idea what she was in, in that because I've never seen the movie. But so she did that. She, um, but what's strange is that it was her guest appearance on a TV show called Run for Your Life, in which she sang uh, this uh, Jean uh, Carlos Jobim song, Meditation or Meditation, uh, that she came to the attention of AM's AM Records co founder, Herb Alpert. And so he heard her, or he saw her on that show and he heard her singing and he really liked her, so he signed her to AM Records. And so she was with them for four years and she recorded a bunch of singles and five five albums for the label and uh and if other people might know if i don't know if people my age in my kind of age bracket which is known as ancient she may may remember claudine langer in the peter sellers the blake edwards directed peter sellers starring film the party where she plays a, a young girl that he meets at the party she's like a singer uh, an aspiring singer and she she sings a song in the film it was plays guitar and sings a song in the movie which is pretty good and um yeah so that's that's where i first remember i First heard her on a Christmas record I love called Something Festive, mm-hmm. which was an A&M record that my dad had. And it was basically, it was a giveaway if you bought tires, if you bought your Christmas tires, you know, not Christmas tires, if you bought your winter tires at BF Goodrich, they would give you, as a kind of promotional thing, they gave you a record. So my dad had a few records from getting his tires put on or whatever at at Christmas, at winter, winter time, or winter, for the for winter, keeps wanting to say Christmas, because I don't believe in winter. Anyway, but... Uh, so when he got his winter tires put on, he got this album, and I just loved it so much. And it had Claudine Langer on it, and a bunch of other great songs, some of which we'll hear today. And uh, so I knew her from that, but then I saw her in this movie, and so that kind of like further reinforced my interest in her to a degree. I mean, she's saying like kind of M.O.R. music, so it's only so far you can go with that. But, yeah. But it is interesting. What's so, M.O.R.? Middle of the Road. Oh, okay. Uh, so so her, uh, her producer at A&M, this guy named Tommy LaPuma commissioned singer-songwriter Margot Gurian to write a Christmas song for Claudine Langer. And this is what she wrote. And if you go online, or maybe I'll, if I remember, maybe I'll make a note here. I'll um, put a link. There's a fun link that uh, takes you to a demo version by Margot Gurian of the song. Hmm. So you can kind of hear her version of it too. Uh, and so it was arranged by a longtime collaborator, uh, this guy named Nick DeCaro. And so, yeah. Now, Mary, it is illegal to talk about Claudine Langer and not mentioned. The fact uh, that she killed her boyfriend? Yes. Now, she did not kill her boyfriend. It was ruled in court. That it was an accident. It was an accident. Criminal negligence? Uh, negligent homicide, yeah. Or negligent homicide, yeah. yeah. Now, which is a lesser crime than manslaughter. Yes. So, so the, the, so during the if trial... She served 30 days and right. paid a fine. That's right. And they let her pick the days that she could serve, so she served weekends. Yeah. Yeah. And let her repaint her cell as well. Did they? Yeah. So now several things here to point out. One is that uh, this guy who was the sheriff of Aspen for about 30 years, Mm -hmm. not during this time. At this time, he was just a deputy. He actually was 
in charge of bringing her to and from jail. Right. And it was him. He let her repaint the cell. Right. Because he said at that time, the conditions were and the shape of the, the jail was as abominable. Okay. And he felt it was perfectly reasonable for her to want to like slightly make it a little, a little nicer. Right. And he had no problem with that. Uh, he actually had the jail rebuilt when he became sheriff. Okay. And had a, had it, um, instead of having steel uh, furniture in it, he had wooden furniture put in. Hmm. Even though everyone told him that it would all, get all smashed up and yeah. broken. And he says it's been fine. And all the time he was he was sheriff. Yeah. It was perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of a different in, different in style sh- sheriff. And yeah. In fact, he felt like the trial was very reasonable in how it was done and that the, right. that the sentence was, 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 was okay. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of controversy about it, yeah. so it depends who you talk to. Yes. Spider Savage, the person who she, who was killed, yeah. was a very popular professional skier. Yes. He had actually had an injury and he was recovering from it. He may okay. not have picked up his career again, but he was a very popular guy around Aspen, but he was also a notorious womanizer. Right. And their relationship was kind of nearing its end. Yeah. So that put the circumstances that the accident occurred in very were, was suspicious, mm-hmm. obviously. But... The problem for the police was they did a couple of things that were completely wrong. Yes. They took, took a her, blood sample took without her blood, asking. Took her blood and took her, her diary yes. without a warrant. Yeah. And also the gun was handled by people who weren't experts mm-hmm. in between it being taken from the scene into to being examined. Yeah. So there was impossible to know what condition it was, mm-hmm. was in. It was agreed, though, that it was it was a imitation Luger, a twenty two. It was in poor condition. Okay. And it... Was known to go off without without warning. Right. When it was being tested it, in the court of law, it could not be demonstrated to do that. But it had in testing, it had gone off of just being like tapped or, or right, you know, or like put down or put something. down or yeah. yeah. And it, it so the safety was defective on it. Hmm. And yeah, so there's a lot of rumor and stuff about around the case yeah. that, of course, you know, builds I mean, up around these things. I think the other thing that's kind of sus is that she married the her defense attorney. I don't think that's, that's, I mean. She was in a relationship with him at the time that he was representing her and he was married. Yeah. I think people were a little about that. I mean, I can, to me, I feel like it's almost like an onset romance during the making of a movie. Right. Where you're in this really heightened emotional period. Yes. And it's easy for those emotions to to carry you away into. into, Right. Like Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes. Sure. Or Or Tom Cruise and. Haley Atwell. I was thinking of... Nicole Kidman? Nicole Kidman. Okay. Sure. I mean, that's an example of two people, but he's had done movies with tons of women that he did not also have relationships with, but yeah. Sure. Wait, was he with Angelina Jolie? No. Who am I thinking of? Brad Pitt? Yeah. Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. Yeah, during the making of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Mm -hmm. So relationship. Yeah. That's who I was thinking of. I don't know why I said Tom Cruise. Anyway. So these things can happen, right? So, So, yeah, I don't... I don't think that's great or that's you yeah. know but i do think it's notable that andy williams came and was with her through the whole yeah, trial and, and like paid for all of it paid for her defense and like drove her there every day yeah picked her up and drove her to court every day i was a witness for her was a, a witness for her. Yeah. yeah yeah so yeah i mean yeah she was a 70s woman so you get all that kind of that aspect of it as well and and you know she was a celebrity mm-hmm. so there's a lot of like you know drugs alcohol yeah and she was like a former sex well, yeah. I guess she was still like famous and yeah, she was still very popular. I mean, yeah. still very famous at the time. She was signed to uh, Andy Williams' Barnaby label, and she was had a record in the can that never uh, eventually did, eventually came out as part of a best of, but was never released at the time because of this. And basically, she 
she left her career entirely and has never made a public appearance since yeah. since this happened. And she was sued, had was taken to civil court mm-hmm. and by the family. By the family, uh, and they she was sued for like a, a three quarters of a million dollars, hmm. which they never they didn't win. It was never went to trial. They, basically, she made an agreement to not talk about the case. Yeah, and so she can't reference it at all. So mm-hmm. so yeah, and so she's never yeah. Even in there's like a biography of Andy Williams. And she did not appear in it. She just had pictures of her and she in her voice. She hmm. just she just talked about her relationship with him and yeah and stuff like that. But she did not appear in the show itself. Right. So yeah, it's her choice too. Yeah, I mean it would be traumatic. Yeah, you can see her if you go to the town where she lives. You you know you could see her shopping and stuff like that if mm-hmm. that's what you want to do. But right, she does not make public appearances. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's the du rigueur part of talking about La Claudine Lager out of the way. Thank goodness we can check off that off. The- and uh, let's move on to your next song, Mary. This is uh, from 1993. This is your grunge Christmas for you. Here's your grunge Christmas. This is Sun 60 with Mary Xmas from 
and we're back. And Mary? Yes? Sun 60, Mary Xmas thoughts? I thought it was a fine song. Okay. But I didn't <laughs> think it was very Christmassy. Okay. They keep saying Merry Christmas. Actually, it's Merry Xmas. And yeah. to be honest, it's Mary is in your name. Hmm. And Xmas is in X. M-E-S-S is how it's spelled. Wait, X-M-E-S-S. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know. I just didn't think it was a very Christmassy song. Like, it just didn't really have any of the, like, it didn't have a Christmas tone or yeah, vibe. Yeah, You know? But, you know what? When you're making a mixtape, you want something that's a little different than everything else. That's fair. Keep, keep the ball rolling. So that's why it's there. And what do you, what do you rate it on the uh, christmas thermometer, mirror? I would rate it a five. A five. So right in between. I love that you finally used the... Christmas-ometer the way it should be used. Mm. That's great. A five. Okay. Don't know much about this band. They formed in the late 80s, played together for a while, then broke up. Okay, next song. This song is uh, The Christmas Spirit is the name of this song. Wait, that's all you had about that band? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, no point. I mean, there's nothing much to talk sure. about. No, they, they formed, they, yep. they played for a while, they, they put out three records, they broke sure. up. Sure, okay, alright, let's move on. Yeah. I'm into it. So this is The Christmas Spirit. Uh, this song is called Mary quoted this earlier, but Christmas is my time of year. As Mary said, Christmas is her time of year. She said, hmm. Christmas is my time of year. Uh, this was a sale on the White Whale Records label. Came out in 1968. And let's give it a listen, everyone. Wait, sorry, who was by? The Christmas Spirit. Oh, that's the band. Yep. Oh, okay.
Mare? Yes. Where does this rate? I on like, the, oh, on oh, the Christmas sorry. scale? Well, you can you can tell me what you think, think of it. I like it. It's a good song. Yeah. Uh, it's very joyful. It is very it's joyful. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was kind of Beatles-y. It's okay. I like all those comments. Yeah. I think it's fair. 68, 1960s. People are, yep. people are heavily under the Beatles' influence. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And speaking of heavily under the influence, let's talk about the... Chris meter I invented for this show. And where you, does this rate? Dad, you are calling it a different thing every time. <laughs> are you aware of this? Fine. What, what is it? Where does it fall on the scale? Um, I would say it is a two. A plus two? Yep. Wow, I thought it would be a little higher. Well, there's only one higher place it can be. Oh, two. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, your scale is ludicrous. Your scale is ridiculous, and you, you don't even understand it. Did you recognize the person singing this song, Mary? Um, did you, dear partygoer, did you rec- recognize the person no, singing this song? I thought it was a Beatle. It was not a Beatle. Who was it? It was Howard Kalin of the Turtles. Oh, yeah. close. I was pretty close. Pretty close. From a different continent, different people, different accent. Pretty, But pretty close, though. Pretty close. <laughs> yes, Super close. I've never seen anyone get closer in a guess. They were both named after animals. Sure. Mary, if you look at my close scale... Yeah. You got a negative four. Mm, yeah, that's great. You, I thought I would have gotten a five. Nope. I guess they're nope. basically the same number. Nope. Not at all. So, Mayor. Yes. The Christmas spirit. I know you're wondering who they were. Mm-hmm. They weren't the turtles. Okay. Erase that from your mind, peoples. Are you sure? Are you sure that this isn't from their album where they did a battle uh, from their Battle of the Bands album? Well, it was from about the same period time period, so they really okay. could have put it on that album, or at yeah. least pretended it was, but it did not feature the other turtles on it. It oh. featured Howard Kalin and right. Mark Volman, hmm. the two vocalists from Volman? From Mark Volman, yeah, that's right. Okay. From the from the Turtles. Uh but also featured uh who else did it also feature, Mary? Graham Parsons. Okay. Lead of the Birds. Yep. Not quite a flying burrito brother yet. So okay. kind of in between those two places. Yep. At loose ends. Mm-hmm. What the heck? I'll come down and help out sure. with a Christmas song. As well as Gene Parsons, no relation. Hmm. Drummer for the birds at this time. Okay. Linda Ronstadt. Okay, yeah. Just left the Stone Ponies, just starting out on her solo career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cyrus Faryar and Henry Diltz, two guys who had been in the modern folk quartet, mm-hmm. which I think I've talked about them before. Their name makes you think, oh my gosh, this will be like sort of very different folk music. Oh, no, it won't. It sounds exactly like all the other quartet folk groups at that time period. And then a gospel singer named Bessie Griffin. So she gets a look in as well. Cool. So that's, so, where, you, that's um, where you get that really like... Are you of... sure that this was the Christmas spirit and not the polyphonic spree? <laughs> because of so many people? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's got that big wall of sound kind of sound to it. So they're kind of imitating Phil Spector's uh, Christmas Gift to You album, mm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was produced by Chip Douglas, who had just produced Battle of the Bands for the Turtles. So he was he had played the bass for the Turtles like during their Happy Together phase. Right. And he did the arrangements on Happy Together and, and took the experience of doing that into production, produced Headquarters mm-hmm. for and Headquarters and uh, uh, Pisces, Capricorn, Aquarius and Smith and Jones, I believe it's called. Don't don't quote me on that. I can't. It's the Monkeys Monkeys record. Oh, sorry. Did I say Smith and Jones? Is Capric? Sorry, Pisces, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Jones. The Monkeys album that came out after Headquarters. He produced those two albums. So you know he was, and then he produced the Battle of Bands for the Turtles. So he was, you know, he's a producer guy, and he was going out with Linda Ronstadt at this time, and so he he brought her in when when. He, when they did the song. It was written by him and Howard Kalin. But it's a lot of fun, I think. It's a really fun song. Very rare. Uh, I found it on a um, a White Whale collection of their, a bunch of their singles that they put out um, that had no album, had no place on an album. There's like a, the White Whale story, it's called, and then volume two. All right, so let's move on to your next song, Mary. Let's get funky, because I like some funk. Mm-hmm. And this is The Bell Rays. 
The song is called Santa Has a Big Old Bag from their album Merry Christmas, Love the Bell Rays that came out in 2008. So here we go, everybody. Let's get funky. Orchestrated funky. Hey, is anybody out there? Is this on? Is this mic on? Is this thing on?
And we're back. Mayor, what did you think of the bell race? Um, funky. Yes. Fun. Yeah. Um, and I like that it was kind of an adaptation of, like, it sort of incorporated in, um, like, Night Before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. S- sort of stuff. Yeah. And I like, those, I like those sort of, like, adaptations of known Christmas stories or songs into sure. something, like, totally different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. And it mm-hmm. also has them saying the, very lewdly that Santa has a big old bag, which yes. I enjoyed that as well. So yeah. So, it's a fun... It's it's fun it's, and it's also very modern in modernist as well in that it obviously borrows from seventies funk sounds mm-hmm. but then it also kind of incorporates nineties uh, kind of grunge rock into it as well and it kind of takes a bunch of different styles garage rock gr- funk and kind of puts it all into one little yeah. into one package it's a lot of fun because they're a modern group they're still performing today so so what, where would it rate Mary on your Christmasometer I would say a three plus three wow that's pretty good. Good stuff. Wow, man. So that was a side ender, by the way. That's where I would... If oh, I was, okay. If this was an album, this would be the final so- song on that album. On song number 12? Well, that makes sense, because it's halfway through. Halfway through, but, you know, it's also placed in a way that I think this is a good side ender. And then we move on to our next song, Mary. This is um, this is The Three Wise Men, better known as XTC. The song is called Thanks for Christmas. came out on a single uh, in 1983... Of course, was not announced at the time that it was XTC. They just released it as the Three Wise Men. Right. And uh, let's give it a listen, everyone. Little did they know that XTC actually stands for the Three Wise Men. Does it? No. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I thought you had some way to connect it all together. But no. But no. Nope. On just we- goofing.
All right, and we're back. And Mary, yes, time to rate. Thanks for Christmas. You know, you know what I have written here. Yeah, it says sounds like XTC. <laughs> so just saying. I'm sure other people at the time were very suspicious as well, considering it came out just after after Mummer, like kind of peak peak um peak XTC peak XTC. Yeah, yeah. just kind of on the just starting on the downward slope for them. Mm. But uh, what what did you think of the song? Um, oh, I thought it was good. I thought it was catchy. Yeah. I did think it was a little bit too 80s. Okay. But I did like it a lot. And I think it also reminded me of the theme song of The Secret World of Santa Claus. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Interesting. Do you know how that theme song goes? Sure, yeah, yeah. You could, can you see that? I wonder if they kind of borrowed it for that. It's possible. Yeah. You think XCC stole it from Secret World of Santa no, Claus? No, I think Secret World of Santa Claus came out after. Well, I don't know about that. I think it did. <laughs> <laughs> Where where does it rate on the Christmas thermometer? Oh, um, I'd say three as well. Plus three. Wow, I love it. Okay, all right. So, um, like I said, it was XTC in disguise. Basically, the reason they recorded the song is they wanted to do a test of the studio. The studio is called Crescent Studios, and its producer, its owner producer, David Lord, to see if he would be good to produce their next album, which became The Big Express. So they recorded the song as kind of like a, will you work out as a producer? And basically what that meant was, can Andy push you around and get what he wants? Yes, he can. You're in. So that became uh, the record. And uh, David Lord is credited on the sleeve as the good Lord. That is the producer of the album. All right, Mary, you ready for the next song? I am. Sorry, I was just reading about the secret world of Santa Claus. Oh, okay. When when did it? When was it made? Nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah, I figured it much later. I know. I was just joking, but I I didn't know it only has tw- there's only twenty-six episodes. Yeah, because it tells a story. What? It tells a story. Like it has a beginning and end to the to the story, right? What do you mean? Like it? Tell, it tells a complete story. Like if you watch the entire run of the series, it has a kind of an ending to it all, right? Doesn't it? I thought there was um, a point of it. I guess in the last episode, Santa does deliver toys. I guess I don't know. I've never like watched it in order. I don't oh, okay, think. I've okay. just I just like watched them when they were on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Also, apparently they are still played on Teletoon. Wow, which is good. Um, this is a Sea World of Santa Claus is a French Canadian animated TV show. Is it animated by Nelvana? Um, uh, I don't know. That's alright. Sometimes they'll say uh, the production companies, but so maybe should we move on to our next song? Yes. What's the next song? Our next song, everybody, is uh, Burt Bacharach from that. Classic A&M album I mentioned earlier, Something Festive, which came out in 1968. This is The Bell That Wouldn't Jingle. Let's give it a listen.
Before I played that song, you gave a little laugh. Maybe it was a derisive sneer. I don't know. But what? why? Why did you? Uh, what was that sound you made before we before we played the song? Um. I said the bell that wouldn't jingle, and you went. Psst. No, I just like the name. Oh, it's okay. Funny. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, what do you think of the song? I thought it was fun. Yeah. I thought it was cute. Yeah. I could see this being a Christmas classic on people's playlists yeah. on like Spotify or whatever. Yeah. Um. I thought it has lots of like classic Christmas song elements. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah. Uh, like, I, well, like I say, it was from one of my favorite Christmas albums that my dad owned. So mm-hmm. this was a, a constant play for me. And I would spend yeah. hours, perhaps not hours, but many, many, many minutes. Right. Many half hours laying on a couch, staring at the cover of it, trying to figure out who everyone was. Because it was like, a, this came out in the 60s, late 60s. So I just want to say that it tells you that it's a pinata on the cover and what a pinata is for. Okay. Because at that time... No one knew what pinatas were. No one knew what pinata. We were all too white to know right. anything that we were looking at. So. They haven't been. They hadn't been to the <laughs> pinata warehouses in um, in LA. <laughs> pinata warehouse. That's right. And pinatas are us. They have pinata... I'm not joking. They have pinata warehouses in LA. Oh, really? Yeah. Because when I went... To, when we went to California, me and Eve, a few yeah. years ago, yeah. I met up with a friend there yeah. who was Latino and um, we like drove through... Some of like the Mexican areas, yeah. and he showed me like they have these massive warehouses, and they're totally filled with pinatas. <laughs> it's nuts. Cool. Yeah, it's great. And so yeah, so it has a pinata on the cover. Then it has all these pictures, individual little snapshots, mm-hmm. almost like passport pictures of all okay. these different people, like these black and white pictures. And then you just sit there and you go, okay, that's probably Liza Minnelli, mm-hmm. and that's Claudine Lager, mm-hmm. and that is this person mm-hmm. and you're just guessing the whole time because right. you don't know who they are that's lanny hall like you know i didn't know who they were though i would just be like yeah. this person singing this song these people are doing this song mm-hmm. and then basically it was like a kind of a sampler of of the acts that a&m had at that time so it has we five on it the baja marimba band her belpert and the tijuana brass les mm-hmm. minnelli mm-hmm. burt Bacharach, yeah um Connie Langer, right? Uh, Sergio Mendes in Brazil '66. So all kind of do songs. Some do more than one. It's like when you get a DVD and they show you all the the ads for other movies that you yeah. can get from the same studio. Yeah, but this is playing all the all the artists. So then yeah. you go, oh, I like like this artist. I'm gonna go buy more of their records. And I got this free buying my tires for winter. Oh, that's what I'm saying. You put on your DVD yeah. for Knives Out. Yeah. And they're like, you like Knives Out? Coming soon. Maybe you would also like Bombshell. <laughs> Because we made it, too. Yeah, that's right. That's why you would like it. So, Well, I'm glad you like the song. I think it's really great. Uh, I just love... Of course, I love Burt Bur- Bur- Bacharach. I love that yeah, style of, of female singing he would use in his songs. Because it's so much better than having him sing, because he was not much of a singer. Mm. And then... Uh, but the orchestration of it, the... You know, and then... And what's interesting about the song is it was not written with Hal David, his normal writing partner of this time period. It was written in 1962 when he was writing with Hal David, but it was written, co-written with a guy named Larry Cusick, who was also wrote with another singer, songwriter, rock and roller kind of guy named Paul Evans. And Paul Evans is best known, I think, for one of my favorite novelty songs, Seven Little Girls Sitting in the Backseat. And he put that out, I think, in like 59. And so... 
1962, he did the first version of this song, The Bell That Wouldn't Jingle. Hmm. And it came out on single in 1962. And then it was covered by Bobby Vinton did a version, a group called the Baby Dolls, like a girl girl group. Bobby Helms, who we mentioned earlier, did Jingle Bell Rock for the first time. I guess still trying to keep his Christmas streak alive. He also he tried to cover this song in 65. Okay. And then a girl named Catherine McKinnon did it in 66. And then weirdly, both Herb Alpert and Burt Bacharach both did it in 1968. Herb Alpert put it on his Christmas album that came out in 68. And Burt Bacharach put his version, or had his version placed on this on this sampler. But yeah, I have no idea who... I like. I kind of think that Lanny Hall and Sylvia Kleiner, who sang for Brazil '66, are doing the singing for this song. But I have no evidence of that besides that they kind of sound like Sil- Lanny Hall and Sylvia Kleiner, who sang with Brazil '66. But I, there's no record anywhere of who did what on these songs, so right. it's too bad. Like I, you know, I know that it's like all the Wrecking Crew is playing their drum yeah. and bass and everything on it, like all you know, the standard LA session people. But I don't know who was singing. But yeah, it's good. Okay, let's move on to our next song, everybody. This is uh, Bobby Goldsboro. The song is called Look Around You. It's Christmas time. Uh, it came out as a single only uh, in 1968. I was backed with another song called A Christmas Wish, but this is the better song. It's called Look Around You. It's Christmas time. And let's give it a listen. Santa Claus on every corner As he braves the winter night Bells are ringing in his left hand And a bottle in his right Look around you It's Christmas time Christmas trees made out of plastic Standing bare in every door We will deck the halls with holly If we make it off the floor Look around you It's Christmas time Father's celebrating Christmas With a bottle full of rum While his children wait for presents That they know will never come Look around you It's Christmas time One-armed beggar Selling pencils But we cannot spare a dime Save it for the parking meter Or we'll have to pay a fine Look around you It's Christmas time Filled with nothing but the quiet of the night Doesn't anyone remember why we celebrate tonight? Look around you, it's Christmas time It's Christmas time All right, and we're back. And Mary, what did you think of uh, Look Around You? It's Christmas time. Um, I thought it was sad. Okay. But also Christmassy. Yeah. You know, kind of captures that seasonal sadness. Sure, sure. Yeah. It's a little heavy-handed in some of its, you know, some of its political 
it almost sounds to me more like a song from 1966, 1967 that someone like P.F. Sloan would write, like Eve of Destruction would be like the most obvious example. But other songs he would do at that time period, which are very kind of message songs. And the fact that it came out in 68, it, make, it feels like it's a little late to the gate right. for that kind of topical song thing. But I still really like it. Like I really like the music for it and I like the kind mm-hmm. of folk rock sound of it. It's really fun. And uh, it's, a, it's a really good song, I think. Um, he wrote it himself. Bobby Goldsboro wrote it. And... Yeah, he was kind of like a pop country singer, from, songwriter from that time period. I think, strangely, almost forgotten about now, but very popular in the 60s. I remember like various parents of my friends having his records in their record collections. And me listening to them and not liking them at all, but I like I do like this song. But you know what, Mary? Yes? On For the Burt Bacharach song, The Bell That Wouldn't Jingle. The Bell That Wouldn't... Um, it, uh, you f- did not tell me what you thought it rated on the Christmas thermometer. Oh, I would say that's a one. A one? Yes. Wow. That is a high praise. Yeah. You really think that it would be on people... I feel like it's a strangely under-unknown song, like under... Yeah, but I think that if it was known, oh. it would become a Christmas classic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's really good. Yeah, I know. It's, I think yeah. I agree with you. I think it's really great. Um, okay, what, what would you rate the uh, Bobby Goldsboro song on the christmas meter? Um, I would say it's more of a three. So pretty good. Sorry? Yeah, so pretty good. So yeah. good. Um, I, but I will say, though... Yeah. I did not pick up on any sort of message. Like Santa Claus with uh, a bottle in his hand? Oh, I wasn't listening like, to the lyrics. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of kind of heavy stuff like that. And like talking mm. about like people drinking too much. And, right. And that element of, of Christmas. And, okay. You know, and just kind of... So it's like pointing out all the social... Kind of social ills of the time period. And then saying, look around you. It's Christmas time. Like we should be celebrating. Not just, you know... Yeah. Like it's a time for us to like get better. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, like... Which was what Dickens thought of Christmas as well. Yeah. Like, that's what he, why the, he wrote the Christmas Carol, was as a way to improve society. Like, we should be like this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or like, um, Do You Hear What I Hear? You know? The song. Christmas song. It's written in, as a reaction to the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, 1962. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that was one when I played um, Guess That Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. that no one knew that it was that. It was like... A song written that late. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's one of those surprising songs. Same as Little Drummer Boy. Yeah. It's another song that was written in the 50s. And mm-hmm. You're like, what? Yeah. That should have been written a long time ago. But yeah. no, no, not. Pretty not. recent. Pretty recent. Okay. Keeping with our social message songs, mm-hmm. our next song is James Brown uh, from his album A Soulful Christmas that came out in 1968, same as Bobby Goldsboro, so it's kind of fitting. Mm. Uh, this is Santa Claus Goes Straight to the Ghetto. Here we go, everyone. Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. Hitch up your reindeer uh, and go straight to the ghetto. Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. Fill every stocking you find. The kids are gonna love you so. Uh, leave a toy. For Johnny, leave a dog for Mary. Leave something pretty for Donnie, and don't forget about Gary. Santa Claus <clears throat> goes straight to the ghetto. Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. Tell him James Brown sent you. 
go straight to the ghetto You know that I know what you will see Cause that was once me Hit it, hit it You see mothers and soul brothers Santa Claus Go straight to the ghetto Santa Claus Oh Lord Go straight to the ghetto Fill every stocking you find The kids are gonna love you so Fill every stocking you find You know that they need you so I'm begging you Santa Claus Go straight to the ghetto If anyone wanna know, tell them Hank Ballard told me so. Santa Claus, go straight to the ghetto. Never thought I'd realize I'd be singing a song with water in my eyes. Santa Claus, go straight to the ghetto. Don't leave nothing for me. I've had my chance, you see The sound of Claus Go straight to the ghetto Santa Claus The soul brother needs so Santa Claus All right, and we're back. And that was James Brown from 1968. Mary, mm-hmm. yes. what did you think? I liked it. Mm-hmm. I think when you're talking about messagey songs yeah this is very much a messagey song oh yeah for sure yeah for sure even for james brown it's a message song because he's saying i don't need gifts yeah i got all i want yep i'm doing okay he says i've had my chance (laughs) yeah bring your gifts straight to the ghetto yeah what would you rate this song oh what do you think of the song otherwise i liked it i said i liked it yeah i i again i wouldn't say it's a super christmasy song Mm -hmm. i don't think it has a lot of christmasy elements other than referencing santa claus sure sure um but it's a christmas song for some people yes yeah, maybe that's true. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's just not my Christmas song, right? That's right, that's right. Yeah. Uh, where do you put it on the Christmas meter? I would say a three. Plus three. Wow, man. I'm glad I'm doing so well with my Christmas songs. Yeah. Because what's it? Uh, there's a couple of interesting things about this song. Well, the album itself is interesting, too. This is his 22nd album, by the way. This is James Brown's 22nd album wow. that came out in 1968. That early into his career. Holy about 10, 11 years into his career. He's putting out like two two albums a year? Yeah, that's crazy. That's too much. Weirdly, this album has one James Brown composition on it, and it's not this song. The one James Brown song on this album is Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud, parts one and two, which in no way would you think is a Christmas song. But it is on this album. This is the album it appears on. So obviously it was a single that was just thrown onto an album. This was the album it got thrown onto. Santa Claus Goes Straight to the Ghetto was written by... Brown's band leader, Pee Wee Ellis, his manager, Charles Bobbitt, and very strangely, Hank Bellard, who was like a very famous sort of R&B slash doo-wop guy from the 50s, best maybe best known for the song Work With Me Annie, but also wrote the song The Twist that Chubby Checker then took to great fame. It was actually really originally written by Hank Bellard. And Brown name checks Hank Bellard in the song. Near the end of the song, he mentions Hank, Hank Ballard. And they were friends, and I guess Ballard co-wrote the song and so added some stuff to it that, that uh, got his name on it. So that's good for him. 
So yeah, it's pretty good stuff. And so Mare. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I was looking at James Brown's Wikipedia page, okay. which is, yeah. has a lot going on. Yeah, it sure does. It had quite a life. Yeah, it's like, um, spouse, t- Tommy Ray Heine, maybe? <laughs> Children, nine, possibly 13? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's crazy. Continue. So, uh, let's continue on then. Since, okay. Since we have two message songs in a row, we might as well go three. Right. The trifecta of message sure. songs. This is a Kim and Teddy Van production company. Okay. And sorry, and the Teddy Van production company. The song is called Santa Claus is a Black Man. It came out in 1973 from the album of the same name. Uh, and let's give it a listen, everybody. This is, so, you know, this is our, you know, before we go into this, Christmas songs are, in essence, religious songs. Yes. Or, in a way, novelties. Yeah, I would say that. Whether it's a shopping song yeah. or a I miss you song. Yeah, or like, or a winter like jingle wonderland. bells. Yeah. Dashing through the snow yeah. in a one horse open sleigh. You know, that's pretty pretty novelty, it's, pretty yeah, novel. Sure. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. You know, it has like novel elements. Sure, sure. Right? A lot of the time, um, yeah, it's either religious or they're like talking about Santa Claus, mm-hmm. talking about like yeah. they're putting themselves in the position of like being in a winter scene. Yeah. You know? And yeah, they often have. You know, sound effects or other kind of things that yeah. make them sort of novelty songs. Yep. And so so this is our novel. This is our kind of true novelty song for this. Yeah. This is sung by a five-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get that terrible singing that a five-year-old girl, only a five-year-old girl could do. Yes. Uh, fortunately, they do alleviate it with some actual yes. singers in the yeah. song to kind of help you out. Especially near the end of it when they practically drown out the five-year-old. Yeah. With the I didn't even notice singers. her singing near the end. I was like, oh, I guess she's, <laughs> guess she's done. She probably got kind of tired. <laughs> Nope, just got turned down a bit. But uh, <laughs> but let's give her a listen. This is the Kim. She's singing. Uh, I think she's in her 40s now. Hmm. But uh, she was a regular on Sesame Street. Oh, wow. Growing up. Good she for and her. her. She and her, and her siblings. I don't know if she had brothers or sisters. Yeah. But uh, she she was, uh, they grew up and were quite commonly to be seen on Sesame Street. Cool. With their little afros and everything else. Cute. So let's give a listen. This is Santa Claus is a Black Man, everyone. Start 
Yes, Akimi. Do you know what happened last night? What happened, Akim? Well, I saw Santa Claus, and do you know what? What, Akimi? He looked a lot like you. He was handsome. I can dig it. He was black. Right on. He had an afro. He was really out of sight. Now I'm going to tell everybody that I saw Santa. You know the song, I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus? Yeah, this is kind of a t- funky take on it, right? Yeah, right? Because yeah. it's like, you know, I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus is yeah. the dad is dressed up as Santa. Yeah. And that's where the mom's, right? This is the same thing. The same where thing. Where she, she sees, sees her dad dressed up as Santa. Dancing with her mom. Yeah. And she's yeah. like, oh, Santa Claus is black. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yep. And I really like in the song where she's like, daddy. And he's like, you're Sakimi? And then she's like... Santa Claus is so handsome and he's like, I can dig it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, la- I laughed at that. <laughs> That's so great, right? <laughs> right on. Just something like that is so fantastic. Yeah. And so he basically wrote the song as a gift, as a Christmas gift for his daughter. She's oh, that's... a five-year-old daughter. That's nice. And he put it on an album, which is mostly Christmas songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what else is interesting to this in this song to me is the presence of Kwanzaa. She says, happy Kwanzaa, happy Christmas. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. And so there actually is a song on the album Santa Claus is the Black Man called Happy Kwanzaa, mm-hmm. spelled differently than we would spell it now, I think with a double A at the end, whereas it's a single A's on, on the album version. So I guess I hadn't quite settled on a, a spelling for the for the the holiday but yeah it's very interesting he was a big promoter of that teddy van he was kind of like a black power dude right so he he uh wrote this song not just as a novelty but he wrote it as a way f- to give kids black kids something to like see themselves in see themselves in that's yeah. right because you know because the nature even the name black people right because black has unfortunate negative connotations right as a thing of evil and stuff like that and so when you're a black person that's that's the idea of like black is beautiful was a way to try to counteract that that sense of black blackness having a bad element to it right and so there's a song that also puts Santa Claus as a black man as well so it gives this gives black kids uh, this cultural touchstone in in Christmas time I think that's really important and so yes I would agree with that yeah yeah so Teddy Van obviously he wrote the song he produced the song but he also played all the instruments on it as well mm-hmm. just did the whole track and then he put his kids and, and some other and singing friends on it and uh yeah it's uh pretty great and you know part of what we celebrate and why we say happy holidays so we can also say happy kwanzaa and let us move on mayor okay, wait, wait i just wanted to say one thing sure sure which was that 
um, which was that in this episode, I was thinking about, uh, or sorry, what am I saying? Let me let me start over. I was thinking <laughs> with the one thing that the song reminded me of yeah. was an episode of The Office yeah. where Michael is always Santa. Okay. Um, but one of like the black coworkers in the office wants to be Santa and Michael is so like, can't even wrap his head around it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that like, he's like, well, Santa's a white guy, <laughs> but no, he's not. No, Santa's he's not. a black man. <laughs> Santa's a black man. Exactly. Yeah. And what, what other interesting thing about this song before we, we leave is that, uh, I found it on a, I, I found it on a John Waters compilation of Christmas songs. Oh, okay. So it's a really goofy, silly compilation yes, of, of stuff. I can imagine. And then it has this song, which I don't, right. which I think has a novelty element to it, but yeah. I don't think it's meant in a novelty way. I don't think it's, no, a, I think it's not it's, a goof up. I, yeah, I think that it, it has novel elements in that it is sung by a child. Yeah. But I think that the sentiment in it is very sincere. Sure. And actually when Waters chose it and they actually produced the CD and then he called Teddy Van asking for his permission to uh, to use it on the CD, Van said no, because he felt like his song, it was not putting it in the proper co- context. Right. It shouldn't be included with the chipmunks and and uh, uh, whatever else, you know, songs talking about uh, fatty claws and what stuff like that, right? Yeah. And so, and so I think that's kind of interesting that he... And I and I do feel bad that I took it. I took it from that compilation, which you know, because I'm a John Waters fan, so of course I bought it. But yeah. I, and I didn't realize it was put on there without permission until right. I was, until I was doing the research. So I hope it's okay to, to Teddy Van mm-hmm. and his family that I, we used it because we, I didn't use it in a way that's goofy. No, I mean it in a sincere that I sincerely yes. like, like this song, and I think it's I think it's um, the the um, the motivation behind it is is sincere and right and yes. right and you know. That Christmas should be for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, you did not read it on the Chris- Christmas thermometer. Oh, I would say this one's a two. Plus two. Nice. Oh, I also wanted to say yeah. that you, Dad, yeah. Yeah. like songs where kids sing. I do. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Eve, that was the first thing Eve said when this song started. Yeah. She said, oh, Dad loves songs where kids sing. <laughs> but we were parking at Metro Town, so yeah. I was like, I have to turn the song off. I can't have this song playing while I'm trying to park. <laughs> Why it just seemed too embarrassing to have it on? No, it was just too like too much, oh, okay. like st- like stimulation. Oh, okay. You know yeah, yeah, where yeah, it's like yeah. singing, but it's also very like not super enjoyable <laughs> to listen to all the time when you're trying to like park in this yeah yeah like, I know. stupid busy parking lot stuff like this. Uh, you know, yeah. Metro like Town is like a really big mall. It's a big mall, and this is a novelty song. Yeah. So it has that kind of short shelf life element of a novelty novelty yeah. song too. And like I think novelty songs too. Like if you listen to them. While you're not in a very good mood. Yeah. It's not great. Sure. Sure. That's fantastic. Okay. Well, Mary. Yes. We've had some message songs. Okay. And, you know, there's one thing they say. You can lead a dad to funk, but you can't make him stop the jazz. And so we've got Pete Jolly, uh, also from Something Festive, that great A&M record. And this is uh, Pete Jolly with It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. Let's give a listen, everybody. This is a little bit of jazz for you because David likes his jazz.
All right, and we're back. I just want to say, yes. before you say anything, Mary, uh-huh. that yes, this is jazz. Yep. But it has some great arranging in the song, like the the way the voices come in near yep. the end of the song, and those great little uh, kind of Beach Boys esque cellos. That yes. Do 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 do. Do, 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 you know, they, yep. That's really great. Like, yeah. This is really fantastic. So no, what do you absolutely. Think, what do you think of the song? Uh, I like. I really like the opening. Yeah. It's like sounds like a music box. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Very classic. Mm-hmm. Uh. I could play this song for the residents. Yeah. I think that they'd like it. Like at my work. Yeah. I think the old people would like this song. Mm. I think that they'd say like, "Yeah, that's a Christmas song. <laughs> that's the Christmas song. I know that song. I'm enjoying yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Huh. But yeah. you didn't think much of it. I liked it. Oh, you did. Yeah. I thought, oh, it, was, I thought it was pretty cute. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's nice. I snuck some jazz past you. Mm-hmm. Nice. No, I'm not saying all jazz is bad. Okay. I just don't really like like super dissonant songs. You don't like the bebop. I don't like dissonance. Okay. And jazz often features a lot of dissonance. It does because they're yeah. smarty pants. They like to have fun with the with their with their scales. And I don't. I don't like having fun at all. <laughs> Get that fun out of here. <laughs> okay. Speaking of fun, Mare. Yeah. Let's pull out the old Christmas thermometer. Right. Give yourself a rating. Uh huh. Um, I would say that this one is probably a one. Wow. I'd say it's very Christmassy. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. I'm glad to hear that. So Pete Jolly, like I say, he was a jazz guy. He actually grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, and he was super good friends growing up. They met about when he was 13, this guitarist named Howard Roberts, who was a jazz guitarist, and I have a lot of his records too. He's a really great jazz guitarist. One of my favorite ones by him is, I think it's called Antelope Freeway. And it's really fun because it has like little sketches in between the songs of them like driving. Mm-hmm. So he's like driving along a road that apparently is called Antelope Freeway. And then in between each song, there's like little kind of uh, sketches of, of, of conversation as they're driving along. And then another song will start. It's quite, oh, okay. a, quite a fun record. But anyway, so he was friends with Howard Roberts. And when Howard Roberts left Phoenix and moved to L.A., Pete Jolly followed him. Pete Jolly's real name was Peter Seragioli Jr. So he was... Uh, he obviously decided that was too complicated for people to be able to remember or say. So he changed it to Pete Jolly. And so he went to move to L.A. and he quickly fell into doing, because he was a really good pianist and a really good accordion player, he quickly got a lot of session work and studio work. And then he uh, had a minor hit with a song called Little Bird on Fred Astaire's Ava label. Oh, okay. And that kind of spurred him on to start uh, form a group. So he started this group called the Pete Jolly uh, Trio. And then he started working for A&M as a musical arranger and musical director. And, and, and so that's why he's on this record. Because he was just one of the kind of behind-the-scenes guys at A&M who would do arrangements for the Tijuana Brass or Baja Marimba Band, whoever. And so then uh, he, he uh, came in with this song for this collection, which is great because it's so fantastic. And okay, let's get on to our next song, Mayor. And you know what? I didn't know if you'd like the song or not. So I decided to follow it with what I think is a smasheroo. Okay. And that is The Rotary Connection. Okay. With Christmas Child. Mm-hmm. And if you say this song is not Christmassy, I will throw you out the window. Because this song is as Christmassy as you can get. It's from their Christmas album, which was called Peace. That okay. came out in 1968. Mm-hmm. Another 1968 song. Mm-hmm. So this is Christmas Very, Child, everyone. Yep. What you Dad, uh, not surprisingly, sticking with the 60s. No, I like the 60s. I know. Not a bad thing. Let's give it a listen. Okay. Oh, 
love one another. Stop abusing and hurting each other. Blue Christmas child. Blue Christmas child. Blue Christmas child. Three men who were wise came along long distance to honor him. They used the manger for the child's bed. It was the pillow they used for his head. The Christmas child. Mayor? Yeah? What did you think of Christmas Child by the Rotary Connection? Oh, I thought it was fun. Okay, that's good. I thought it had a good vibe. Yeah? I liked the message. Yes, very good message. Yes. Definitely affected by the time it uh, came out. Yes. Which was during the Vietnam War. Yep. So this album reflects that a lot in all of its songs. All of its songs. In fact, this song got... And the album itself is called Peace. That's right. So... That's right. And it features a hippie Santa Claus. Hmm. On the cover. Was he a black man? Was not a black man. Oh, because well. the Rotary Connection was not necessarily a black group. Oh, okay. It was a mixed race group. Oh, okay. And so it... Um, Which was fairly uncommon at the time. Really uncommon at the time. Love but, was one, right? Love was one of the very first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah love. And then Sly and the Family Stone. Yeah. be another example of that. Intentionally uh, mixed. mixed race. Really? Same with, the same with Rotary Connection was intentionally mixed okay. race. So the way, yeah, it was... It was um, I mean, music, music was often just very segregated, mm-hmm, right? Both mm-hmm. in... Um, sound, sound, but yeah, location. You, yep, you know, like yeah. it's hard for black people to meet white people. Yes, yeah, and like know? a lot of black groups came out of the south. Came out of the south, or right? it came out of northern, but ghetto areas in the north. Yep. So if you were you were from the south side of Chicago, mm-hmm. and no white person or very few white people would live right. in the south side of Chicago, yes. let's say, you know, so it'd be hard for those kind of groups to meet. Yeah. And so this group was not really a group in the traditional sense; it was more of a project that was put together by an executive producer. Oh, okay. And that person was a guy named Marshall Chess. Mm. Now, his dad was Leonard Chess. He Who? owned Chess Records. Okay, and also invented the game Chess. Also invented the game Chess. Well-known fact, everybody. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that when you have a trivia yep. uh, competition that you're in. And so, now, Chess Records was pretty much, pretty well-known as you know being like a R&B blues label. Right. And Marshall... You know, saw the way that the world was changing, the way rock music was changing, mm-hmm. and he wanted a label to reflect that. And so he started a label called Cadet Concept, and he wanted to have a kind of a group that would spearhead spearhead the label. Right. 
And so he hired this guy named Charles, Charles Stepney, who was black. He was a black man. He was a vibraphonist and was a classically trained, uh, trained, arra- trained arranger, which is exactly the kind of guy that you want to hire to get in on the psychedelic music scene, I think. The right. first thing you think of is, I need to get into psychedelic rock. I'm going to hire a vibraphonist who's been classically trained. <laughs> uh, so he recruited Charles Stepney. Who didn't really perform with the group, actually. He did do some vibraphone and stuff like that, but he didn't normally perform with them. He was just the kind of producer, arranger, and songwriter. And then he recruited uh, the members of a little-known rock band from, from Chicago called The Proper Strangers. And they were all white. And then Sidney Barnes, who was an in-house chess songwriter, he wanted to join the group, so he joined. And then a chess receptionist named Minnie Ripperton also joined. And you know Minnie Ripperton, Mary. Even if you don't know her, you know oh. her. Because she did the song Loving You. Oh, yeah. Loving You. And she's yeah. the mother of, do you know who she's the mother of? Famous, uh, or not super famous, but well-known comedian. Maya Rudolph. Exactly. Oh, you looked it up. Cheater. <laughs> I was already on her Wikipedia page. <laughs> Cheater. <laughs> but yes, she's the mother of Maya, Ru- Maya Rudolph. And she kind of looks like Maya Rudolph. Oh, yeah. 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 You see her picture? Oh, yeah. Very, very similar. Yeah. yeah. That's when she's much younger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 77. That's the first 77? No. Yeah, she unfortunately died when she was very young. Oh, that's sad. So, um, yeah, so this album was the second album they put out in 68. Oh, okay. They put out an album called Aladdin, then they put out this album. And so I was thinking to myself, oh, I guess they put out this Christmas album because then they could do like a bunch of covers, like do traditional Christmas songs and whatever, and have a, have another an extra album out. But no, of its 13 tracks, 10 are original. Hmm. So it's pretty crazy, including this song, which yeah. was which was written by Charles Stepney. And also it got to the got to number 24. Pretty good. Considering that in an unfortunate instance where there was this kind of a, a cartoon, an anti-Vietnam War cartoon in Billboard and at the same time, like around Christmas time, the same time this came out, that was yeah. referenced uh, re- reference Vietnam and had kind of a hippie Santa Claus in, in, the, in the cartoon. And this drunken executive at Montgomery Ward thought it was, thought it was an ad for peace. Oh. Because it also had a hippie Santa Claus on the cover. Right. And so he he banned any Montgomery Ward stores from ordering. There was like a big department search. Oh, wow. He, none of them could order their album. So it was not sold in any of those stores. So that's pretty good that it made it to number 24. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Stupid a, and crazy. Yeah. What a weird... Uh, what a... Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess people, people are going to misinterpret things. They always have. They always will. All right. So, Mayor. Yes. You didn't give us your your uh, Chris, Christmasometer. Mike, I didn't give you my Christmas rating. Yeah. I would say it is a two. Okay, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. All right. Sorry, I just... <laughs> what are you doing? All right. So, sorry, what did you say the rating was for it? A two. A two plus two. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, Mary. Yes. I decided, I decided I'd agree with you. Okay. That the numbering system is too complicated. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And so I've given it a new rating. Okay. So, one would mm-hmm. be star. Okay. Two light okay three garland okay four tinsel okay five a single hoe okay four negative four a keychain oh i'm sorry negative so three. you're keeping with yeah yeah no, it's okay with the thing okay you just three. assigned yeah yeah okay so to say the four is a keychain negative three is a uh rope uh negative two a tin can and number one negative one is a dead fish okay so that that's the actual read me them again all right, so going from negative to positive. Okay. Dead fish. Uh-huh. Tin can. Mm-hmm. Rope. Mm-hmm. Keychain. Mm-hmm. Single solitary hoe. Okay. That's five. Yes. Then we got tinsel. Mm-hmm. Garland. Mm-hmm. That's two. As uh, two is light. Uh-huh. And then number one is a star. Okay. You got it? Yep, so I got it. So now when you rate them, I want you to use those terms. Okay, I will. Okay? So you said two. Yep. 
So two, let me look at my key again. It's oh, light. Light, light. I'm going to keep it two right for now. I, I know what I mean. I know mm. what I mean. Okay, Mare. Mm-hmm. Next song. All right, what is it? This is the Heavy Blinkers. Okay. I uh, Maybe I was into them because we played them on the last episode, and so I kind of incorporated them perhaps into this list without thinking about it. But this is Charlie Chaplin's Christmas. Uh, it came out in the year 2000. And now, I'll admit it, Mary, you will not find anything Christmassy about this song, I know. Oh. But this song is Christmassy to me and my generation. I want you to look up... Wait, wait, what, what year did this song come out? 2000. But I want you to look up... I want you to look up something in a second. I'll tell you okay. what it is. We're gonna listen to the song now. This is every blinkers, everyone. Please enjoy this song. It's a kind of a mellow, kind of a maudlin Christmas. Here we go.
All right. So uh, now I was explaining to Mary during when we were listening to the song uh, during the break that um, I had her look up when Charlie Chaplin died. And Mary, I guessed correctly, right? Yes, you did. And because Charlie Chaplin died on Christmas Day, 1977. And so weirdly, and this song evokes it so magically to me, I associate Charlie Chaplin's death with being in grade six and have it being Christmas time. And I know that's weird, but it was like this this weirdly significant thing to me because I was a Charlie Chaplin fan. And and he was just sort of someone who was well-known and you, know, you just kind of knew who he was growing up because, you know... He was this very... Charlie Chaplin. He's Charlie Chaplin. is this cultural icon, exactly. And so he died on that day. And so, so yeah, it's like sort of irrevocably mixed together for me that my childhood memories with Charlie Chaplin's death and happening around Christmas time. And this song kind of brings out that sort of feeling of Christmas time, and but also that, that Charlie Chaplin died. It's sort of a weird song that, that kind of connects the two together. And I really yeah. I appreciate that because I feel like it is sort of a very generational thing. But, but yeah, so what do you think of it, Mayor? Um... I thought it was nice. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty cute. Yeah. Uh, didn't make much of an impression on me. Yeah. I thought it was a nice placeholder. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And where would you read it as a, as a Christmas song? I think Garland. Garland? Yep. Nice. Garland. That's number three. Number three. Yep. Very good. Very good. Okay. Oh, I, I also want to say Eve said that she thought it sounded like a song that she would play when she worked at um, this little clothing store okay, that okay. she worked at, which yeah. was very like folksy, mm. very expensive, flowy yeah. Yeah. stuff. And she played a lot of like Fleet Foxes, Sofiane Stevens. Sure, sure. I think kind of stuff. I think Heavy Blinkers would be like kind of a proto example of that of yeah. that kind of of that you know, they borrowed elements of that mm-hmm. scene, the kind of orc pop scene. Yeah. Or kind of incorporated by Sofiane Stevens and, mm-hmm. and those those artists. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Cool. All right. Well let's move on to another song. This is Vel Scott. Okay. The song is Merry Christmas. Okay. And here's what I know about it, Mary. I'm going to tell you everything I know about this song right now. Okay. It appears on Santa's Funk and Soul Christmas Party, Volume 3, that came out in 2015. That's it. That's all I know. Enjoy it, everybody.
All right, and we're back. And uh, Mary, what did you think of Merry Christmas by Val Scott? I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it sounded pretty fifties. Do you think that? Uh yeah. No, it is. It is. I don't. I just don't know when it came out. Yeah. Because it's not. It's on this compilation, but right. it's, it's it's one of those songs that probably someone found as a single or as yeah. on an acetate or whatever. But yep. if they found a single, it's not. It's not even in Discogs, which is where I usually yeah. go to find like singles of, right. of kind of obscure. Yeah, Discogs like has like everything. Yeah. 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 Hmm. I couldn't find it anywhere though, so uh, I have no idea what it, what it's from. And, and the problem with the uh, Funk and Soul, Thanos Funk and Soul, blah blah blah, blah yep. is they put together like some nice comp, nice compilation, but there's yep. done a, it was a bargain thingy, so oh, it doesn't okay. really have any notes or anything right. on it. It's just right. really, it's really yeah. thrown together. It's not like nuggets. Yeah, it's not. It's not a big big production. Yeah, uh, they're more fan. They're more fan productions, which is fine. Like I have no, no problem with that. Yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd it's, rather, it's good when people can get music out there. Yeah, I'd rather it have w- songs available like yeah, that. Yeah, it would know? be. I mean, it would be nice if. You knew more about them, yeah. but it's great just to have access to them, right? Sure. Yeah. That's also where I got the um, Jimmy Thomas song from, uh, Deck the Halls. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So. Um, but that one you were able to find more about. I was, I, yeah, I don't think I talked much about him because I think we kind of skipped really fast, but he actually played with Ike and Tina Turner. He played with Ike and Tina Turner before they were Ike and Tina Turner. Right. He played with the Ike, Ike Turner Review. Oh, okay. And he was one of the singers in the group. Right. And then when something happened, like where, where um, Ike Turner had written a song. Mm-hmm. For this guy named Bill Lasseter, mm-hmm. and he or Art Lasseter, sorry, Art Lasseter, and he yeah. didn't show up. Not Bill Lasseter of Pixar. That's not his name's not Bill Lasseter either, though. What's his name? I don't know. It's not Bill Lasseter. But anyway, so now uh, you got me trying to think of his name, and uh, at the same time, so then um, this guy didn't show up. So then Tina Turner, who at that time was named with Little Anne in the act, she came forward and sang the song, and suddenly everyone was just like, "Well, who is this Dynamo?" <laughs> And so then she became Tina Turner. Right. And then it became the Ike and Tina Turner Review. But Thomas sang with them, I think, until 66. And then he, like, left. He he became a record producer. He became friends with uh, a couple of British producers. Denny Cordell, mm-hmm. who would go on to be the producer for um, for Shelter Records and work with, like, Tom Petty and people like that. And then and then also Tony Visconti, who would later go on to produce David Bowie. Mm-hmm. And so he became friends with them. And they, they said, well, you should hang out with us and we'll show you the, the ropes of production and stuff so he did and he stayed on in england and he lived in england and became a producer there and and put out an album in the early 70s and and he had a presence on the northern soul scene so anyway that that's jimmy thomas right which is nothing to do with bell scott she just has like no no trace at all which is right. unfortunate that's, not, that's unfortunate also yeah. it's john lassiter yeah there you go yeah thank you not bill lassiter no or art lassiter yep unreliable singer <laughs> art lassiter all right so now we're gonna get personal okay mary yes Gonna bring in a family friend. Wait. Yep. You didn't ask me my review. For oh, the last I'm sorry. One. What did you think of? El- you said Vel Scott, but you mean your rating? Yes. What is your uh... light? Light. Wow, that's good. Number plus yeah. two. Yeah, I thought it was a good one. <laughs> Thanks, Mary. I like that you took the time to remember the. Uh, yeah, you know my stupid. Uh, you I mean, gave, my brilliant. You pre- you presented it as a challenge, <laughs> and I took it. <laughs> okay, let's uh, like I say, let's get personal now. This is David M. Okay. No fun, David M. With uh, Christmas Alone, mm-hmm. bracket, Who's the Turkey Now, and bracket, mm-hmm. uh, which came from the box set, The Fezziwig Files, No Fun at Christmas, 1975 to 2015. This is the, uh, I think, the eighth CD in the box set, which is called The Next Christmas Day, a.k.a. Black New Christmas Killer Starman Star, which came out which came out also in 2015. Okay. So, let's listen to Christmas Alone, Who's the Turkey Now? Christmas morning without a warning My home was empty as a house could be There were 
no creature stirring, not even vermin, some of whom are my friends and family. Why pick this time of Yuletide to desert me now? Won't you tell me how? Fuck you, fuck you too. Why'd you wanna make your baby cry? Things that seem so clear are murky now. Who's the motherfucking turkey now? Sat there sad and lonely A one and only Nobody answering the call of me They'd taken full suitcases To far off places While I was left with bugger all to see This action came to satisfaction guaranteed Oh poor lonely me Fuck you, fuck you too Why'd you wanna poke me in the eye? This thing was working, then kapow. Who's the motherfucking turkey? All right, I ain't gone all night. Why'd you wanna crucify me just like Jesus? Christ, the righteous dude, fucked up all and all religious lies. Pollyanna ain't so perky now. Who's the motherfucking turkey now? Sat there all excited, though uninvited But I'm as lit up as a Christmas tree I'll have a Christmas service, might make you nervous How much more fun can one boy's Christmas be? When you return from leaving me this lump of coal You'll just find a smoking hole Fuck you, fuck you too You can never make your baby cry me now Who's the mother, father, sister, brother Humping me like peck of sucking turkey now Alright, we're back. Mary? Yes? Before you say anything, can you guess what movie this song is based on? Um, is it what movie it's based on? Um, I woke up on Christmas morning without warning. My whole family was gone. Home Alone? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's based on. I was gonna say I was actually thinking Home Alone. Yeah, doesn't yeah. he call someone a turkey? Yeah, who's a turkey now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yes. But then I was thinking of a Christmas Carol because of Fezziwig. He also has some things to say about the Pope and all religious lies, but that's okay. I can understand why he'd be bitter being left alone at Christmas time. Yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> Although Catherine O'Hara was on her way, she's coming back. Yeah, she was. She's yeah. trying. Yeah, she's trying. So, what did you think of uh, the song? I thought it was fun. Yeah. Didn't think it was super Christmassy, <laughs> uh, except for all the turkey references. <laughs> yes. Um, but I do like the song. Yeah. But also a lot of swearing. Sure. I think it's probably the only one on here with swearing. I do like some swearing in, in songs. Even in Christmas songs? Even in Christmas songs. Um, Eve had a note as well. Okay. She said, so much turkey, it's basically Thanksgiving. <laughs> and then she said, I still like it though. <laughs> Yeah. That's good. Well, it's Christmassy because it's based on Home Alone, which I think everyone would agree is a Christmas film. So what would you say, Mary, in terms of rating? Chris- I, the Christmas Othometer. I would say this one is a single ho. Whoa, a five. Yeah. Whew. Ho can go both ways. That's why it's, that's why it's number yep. five. Yeah. I feel like David would appreciate that rating. <laughs> <laughs> All 
right, that's good. Yeah, he he recorded this on on Co-op Radio in 2003. That's where okay. that's where this recording comes from. But uh, it sat unreleased till 2015. Right. And I'm glad he put it out. Yeah. I enjoyed every year hearing it live, of course, mm-hmm. at, at the Christmas shows. But this year, there's no Christmas shows. No. Which sucks. There's not. Because my other favorite song, which I will find a way to get onto the show, is uh-huh. A Calico Gingerbread Christmas. Is Oh, it's not Extuvuvu? I do love Extuvuvu, but my very favorite, my very, very, very favorite song is mm-hmm. uh, Calico Gingerbread Christmas. Right. Which is a Christmas song about having the flu during Christmas. Oh. That's a very good song. Oh, I should send it to Duncan. <laughs> I'll find it for you. I'll find um, it for you. I do have it. My favorite is... Uh... Oh, the Jingle Cats? No, oh, the okay. the weather outside is frightful. Oh, that's very good too. And the fire is also frightful. Yeah, <laughs> it's frightful. It's frightful. It's frightful. <laughs> yes, the good social anxiety Christmas song yeah. is a very good one. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's also good. All right, all right, Mayor. Let's move on to our penultimate song. Okay. This is Amy Helm. This is a cover version of a song by the band, mm-hmm. done by the daughter of one of the members of the band. So Levon Helm was a singer and drummer for for the band. And uh, his daughter, Amy Helm, who sang with him for many years, uh, did a cover of this song by the band called Christmas Must Be Tonight. And this is Amy Helm featuring the Wood Brothers. And this was recorded in 2018 at the Spotify Studios in New York City. So it's from a, it's from a thing called Live at the Spotify Studios. Mm, cool. And so this is Amy Helm, everyone, singing Christmas Must Be Tonight, which is a Christmas song I love. Let us hear it now.
saw it with my own eyes It's written up in the skies Why a simple herdsman such as I And then it came to pass He was born at last Right below the star that shines on Christmas must be tonight Son of the carpenter Mary carry the light This must be Christmas Must be tonight Be tonight Must be And we're back. Mayor. Yes. You, even you, Mary, mm-hmm. even you, Mary Dedrick, cannot yep. deny the Christmassiness of this song. Yeah, it's a really good song. Oh, yeah. I like it a lot. Oh, that's good. It's really nice. Yeah. Uh, it sounds really good. Mm-hmm. I like the lyrics. Yeah. I enjoy yeah. it. Is great. there a man and a woman singing, or is it just yes, me? Yes, yeah. yeah, one of the Wood Brothers, I assume. Oh, okay, great. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So what would you uh, rate it in terms of uh, Christmassiness? I would give this one light. Plus two. Not a star, though, hey? No. Wow. Star is, it's it's an elusive rating. I guess so, because here's a song telling you the story of the nativity. Yep. And you only give it a plus two. Yep. <laughs> what do you have to do to get a one from this girl? A star. So the history of this song is, is very funny. Mm-hmm. Well, not funny, but interesting, because uh, the version I heard of this song... Mm-hmm. By the band was mm-hmm. not the correct was not the proper version of the song. It was oh, actually really? an alternate version. Like they tried to record it for their second to last album, which was called uh, Northern Light Southern Cross, and it didn't work out. And the reason it didn't work out is that it's too herky jerk, which they could often fall into as a group. The the band that's if the, that was one of their weaknesses as a group was they would sometimes their singing would be kind of strained and overly maudlin, but also their the, their songs could get really kind of herky-jerk in the rhythm, so it almost right. becomes like a distraction. And so you have this really beautiful song about the nativity, and it's sunk and played in this weird way, and so it sounds... it just kind of And it's played fast as well. Yeah. And so rather than sit in the song and kind of get down into the groove of this, this Christmas song, it, they're on top of it the whole time, and it never feels like they're, they're in the song. And so it doesn't work. And that was the version I knew by them for a long time, and I did not like it at all. Mm-hmm. And so every version I knew of this song, like, uh, first of all, I think I heard it was probably from Uncle David. Uncle David used to do a, a great cover of it. And then another person who plays with, with Uncle David at some live shows, he did a version as well, and I really liked his version. And so that's what I, those are the versions of it that I like so much that were really heartfelt and, and lovely. And then I heard this version by Amy Helm. Yeah. Uh, not this version, a different one uh, that she sang like a few years ago. And I really liked it. And so then I was, when I wanted to put this song on here, I looked for her version. And this was the one I, I could find that yeah. that was out there for me to use. And I, and I really liked it. And I, so I took that one. But what was funny is when I was researching it, I discovered the 
a different version by the band okay. that was used on their kind of odds and sods final album where they just kind of threw a bunch of stuff on that they were that they were working on and, right. and stuff and they put they put it on there mm-hmm. and of course when robbie robertson wrote it he wrote it as partly as a tribute to his newborn son whose name was sebastian and also as a christmas song and i think he wanted it to be a christmas single and people would love it because it's a beautiful christmas song yep and it didn't work out because the album the fu- you know when they're doing northern light southern cross mm-hmm. the band was falling apart right and so it didn't really work out then and so they did this version, and I guess it was just kind of thrown on to Islands, their final album, which I don't own. And and then it, uh, it nothing was made of it. They didn't release it as a single. It didn't come out as a Christmas song or anything. Right. And so it's too bad because that version of the song is really nice. Like it's very stately, mm-hmm. and Rick Rich da- uh, Rick Danko singing is really ni- really great in the song. Right. Avon Helm as well sings in it, and both of them like it's just really good. It's so it's a, such an improvement on the on the earlier version. And I wish I knew that one. If I had heard it, I probably would have put it on here rather than Amy's version. But I really like her singing though. So yeah, it, it's six of one, half dozen of the other. Really, they're both really great versions. Mm-hmm. Or six of one and Bob's your uncle. Exactly the other as other John famous version of that. <laughs> other famous version of that. Yeah. Once again, it's a song that I think should be better known. Like it's one of it's kind of like as you were talking about the bell that couldn't that wouldn't jingle. I think it's a song that if more people knew this song, this song would be better. Right. Well, better loved, but it is not like a super well-known Christmas song. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on, everybody. Let us look at Sufjan Stevens. This is our final song, and Sufjan Stevens, you know, well-known Christian, well-known Christmas lover, yep. hate, slash hater. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean? Bring, well, you know, because he brings to his music, he brings. A real love-hate relationship to Christmas. Like, some mm. of his songs are celebrations of Christmas. Yeah. Other songs are about the sadness of Christmas. Yeah. Other songs are about the commercialization of Christmas. Yeah. Some songs are about the Christmas unicorn. Yeah. Which is, like, a weird, long meditation on the destruction of Christmas. Right. You know? And ends with love will tear us apart. Yeah. Which is a weird thing to put in a song, where a season that celebrates love. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, he is looking at and deconstructing uh, the ideas of Christmas. Right. And what I mean, I think that you can love Christmas and also like feel sad about it at the same time sure. i don't think that means yeah. that you hate it uh, i'm just joking of course when you're saying you have a love-hate relationship right. but i think if you read his essay that he put in silver and gold his second box set mm-hmm. he almost says that i have a love-hate relationship with christmas right in there. so i don't think i'm miss i don't think i'm okay. applying anything to him that he wouldn't, wouldn't right. admit to okay. for, at that okay. time period and now this is not my very favorite sufian christmas song that would go to barcarola but I already used that on just a regular <laughs> on a regular mix for someone else. And my second favorite song by him, which is Silver and Gold, mm-hmm. will feature later on on someone else's just regular mixtape. Okay, sure. So those two songs were out, out of limits yes. for me to put onto this because I I feel like I've I've already promoted them or I will promote them yeah. soon. So I, I want to promote Sister Winter, which I think is his most beautiful song from his first collection of Christmas songs. I do like his fun songs in there, you know. Yes. You know, it's Come Christmas on, let's time. boogie to the elf dance. Come on, let's boogie to the elf. You know, those Put are the all lights fun. on the tree. Yeah, those are great songs. Yeah, but I love this song because it's once again it's sort of a med- meditation on the melancholy of Christmas and then on the celebration of Christmas. You yeah, know? and so uh, let's give it a listen, everybody. This is Sister Winter from Songs for Christmas, Peace Songs for Christmas Volume Five, which came out in two thousand six. So let's hear it now. I've begun to worry right Where I should be grateful I should be satisfied 
All right, we're back. And Mare, what do you think? I know what you thought, but what do you, th- you think of Sophia and Steven's uh, Sister Winter? Um, you don't need to ask me that. <laughs> you know my answer. I love this song. I love Sophia. I love this song. This song is so beautiful. Yeah. It's a showstopper. Okay. It's such a fantastic That's why I said song. The end. Yeah, of course. <laughs> because if you had it anywhere else, as soon as the song was over, I would take the CD and eject it and throw it out the window <laughs> because I don't need to hear anything else after I hear this song because it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and I'm going to, once again, uh-huh. ask you about the, we're dragging it out, bring it out. Bringing out the Christmasometer. Yep. Where does the arrow point? Um, I want to say star, but I feel like I should say light. Well, plus two. Interesting. Yeah. And you say that because you just think it lacks something in the way of Christmas? I think that... It has a lot of Christmas time imagery. Yes. A lot of winter holiday imagery. Yep. And really the Merry Christmases don't come in until the end of the song. Yeah. And... But I don't think it needs to be... I don't think it needs to say Merry Christmas to be a Christmas song. Okay. You know? Okay. Like... Um, Jingle Bells doesn't mm-hmm. say Merry Christmas, sure. but it's a Christmas song. Sure, sure. Right? Um, okay. But I think that I think that a star rating yeah. should be like something that is like, that anyone could hear uh, and universal? think yeah. that is a Christmas song. Okay. I okay. don't think Sophia and Stevens, this song has that, Yeah, you know? It's not going to play to the oldies. Yes, it's not going to play to the oldies. It's not going to play to... Like a lot of people, yeah, right? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it so much, but <laughs> I'm not everyone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'll say, and thank God, Mary. Thank God oh. you're you. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's... I, well, it's just part of that interesting element of Sufjan Stevens where he's such a musical person, mm-hmm. especially at this time where he was just like the most... Very amazingly, prolific. Yeah, mo- most amazingly prolific creative songwriter of this yeah. time period. And he was like, this is the time when he was doing Illinois. Well, this and... the, Illinois is the only year he missed do- doing these, actually. Yes. It was such a huge project that he did not have time to do a Christmas EP. Right. So the Christmas EPs, all five of them stretch uh, year by year, but one it's... year is missed, and that is the year he was doing Illinois. It's 2004, I believe. So, um... Yes, because this came out the same year as the Avalanche came out. Yeah. Those were already finished, those songs, because it was just part of a huge, big project. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And what these CDs were, just so people know, they were EPs that were recorded by Sufjan, basically by himself. He did incorporate some friends into them as well. Yeah. But they were used as gifts to family and friends. So yeah. he would send these out as a gift. Mm-hmm. And they all had like four or five or six or seven or eight or nine songs, covers you know, of Christmas carols and Christmas classics, but also original Sufjan songs as well. So it'd be one or two originals, and then a bunch of uh, you know, uh, traditional carols. Yeah. So, um, All pretty beautiful. So Noel, which is the first one, yeah. recorded December 2001, mm-hmm. had seven songs. Yeah. It had two originals and five covers. Yeah. The second one, Hark, came out, um, recorded December 2002. Mm-hmm. That one had nine songs and it had two originals and then seven um seven like traditional songs um the third one was recorded december 2003 that's ding dong (laughs) it had eight and it had four originals and four um like traditionals joy was recorded 2005 and that one had seven and it had um three originals and four traditionals Peace, which was this one, was 2006. That was his last one in this volume. Um, and that one had 11 songs. It had six originals. Yeah. And then five um, traditional songs. Well, like all projects that you start doing, it started off simply. Yeah. 
Like the first one's very simple. The instrumentation is yes. very simple. And yeah. as it went on, it got more and more elaborate yeah. and complicated. And, and then... yeah, Sister Winter yeah. is on this yeah, this one. The final one, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I mean, he, he has such a variety of like traditional songs that he does as well, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. not just like Jingle Bells, <laughs> the Christmas song. Yeah. Like on Peace... He had his five originals, and then he had Once in Royal David City, mm-hmm. Jingle Bells, Low How a Rose Air Blooming, which is like um, Anglican, yep. is played, but it's also, it's Episcopalian. like- Episcopalian. Yes, but and it's- And his friend, his friend, um, uh, who is the Welcome Wagon, who was a uh, priest, was a Episcopalian priest, Yeah, uh, would have, you know, I'm sure he would have known those sort of things through through him. Yes, definitely. Um, but it's a German- it's a German song, mm, okay. um, and it's not known by a lot of people. Yeah, no. uh, he had O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, um, Holy, Holy, Holy. So, like, you know, you've got some some different Sure. Some of them are good. Some of them right? are too deconstructed for my t- my liking. That's but, fair. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, just, it's, you know, I can listen. I can take, your, take, in, take it or take it or leave it for some of the stuff he does, but some of mm-hmm. it's very beautiful. Yes. And we will play some later on. I would in... say mostly very beautiful. <laughs> I, think the only, I think the only problem that I have... With Sofiane Stevens' um, Christmas uh, Christmas albums, yeah. is that his original songs are so great they almost overpower his originals or the the like traditional songs. Yeah, you know, like I focus so much on the new songs, I don't focus as much on the older songs, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. though they are also so beautiful and they're often such beautiful arrangements. Yeah, of those songs. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. They're. They're good. Mm-hmm. That's why I'll put them in my... They're good. Yep. I don't like to listen to them all the way through. I prefer to have them mixed in with other Christmas things. That's fair. This is like the ideal mix of like Sufjan to me. One Sufjan song <laughs> amongst a bunch of other things. No, I can listen to all of it. And I have. <laughs> I know you have. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that, that is that is our mixtape, Mare. Overall, what, what did you think of my Christmas mix? Overall, I thought it was good. I liked it. Yeah? Yep. That's good. I tried to keep it varied as much as I could. Yeah. Within my... Within the... Yes, of course. What I like, you know, mm-hmm. you can't. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put on, you know, Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey. Yeah, yes. which thank God for that. I worked at Michael's <laughs> for one Christmas, yeah. and like I, if I never have to hear another Michael Bublé song or All I Want for Christmas Is You by Mariah Carey, I will yeah. be happy because that is all that they play at Christmas time. Yeah, Michael Bublé. Well, they're they're Mariah harmless Carey. songs. They can't yes. play religious songs. They're not allowed to play religious songs anymore. I think. To a degree, so... I think Michaels can. They're a pretty Christian organization. Is that right? Yeah. Hmm. But most of the music you find in stores nowadays, and they play music that's given to them, right? They don't choose it themselves. No. It's, it's no, so at corporate, Michaels... Corporately we, developed. Yeah, we so. had a little... I think it was like a tape. Yeah. That they got a mailed tape? or something. A tape? It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> this was in 2000 and... Tape. 13, I worked there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they would get, like, sent it every... Like, they would get mailed them every week, and... Um, I know it was nuts, and um, they had on them music and intercut ads. Mm, mm, so they'd yeah, say, "Oh, yeah. here's our deal on framing for the week," and yeah. then like, "Check out our yarn. We sell <laughs> yarn, you guys." I know no one buys it, but we have so much. No one buys yarn. No, not from Michaels. Oh, huh? Yeah, yeah. All right. All right. That is our show, folks. We hope you enjoyed it. I hope so. We hope you have a happy New Year. I hope so. This is coming out on uh, New Year's. New Year's Eve. Eve. Yeah. So, yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. Our next episode will be coming out in 2021. That's right. We'll see you next year. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you next year. Um, should I tell people how they can reach us? Sure. Just as long as they don't blame me for that final 
poor poor gag there. Okay. Well, they should. So if you want to uh, email us. But please us, write compliments to our wanna, Christmas thermometer meter that we had during If you want thing. to write in and um, tell dad that that joke was bad. <laughs> if you want to re- write in and tell dad that his, uh, his rating system was nonsensical, you can do that by email at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Uh, on our message boards at sneakydragon.com, on Twitter at sneaky underscore dragon, or on Facebook at sneaky dragon. You can also find our mailing address on sneakydragon.com. We have a contact us tab where you can find all of those things I said. That's true. Yep. All right, everybody. Well, you know what? We've all had a hard year, I think, this year. Yes. I pray that next year will be easier on all of you. Hopefully we'll get better soon. And you know what? Merry, what? Merry Christmas, Mary. Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And I hope the best for you, dear. Thank you. You too. And we will see everyone in a bye week. Yes, in two weeks. We'll see you in 2021. Next year. 